Welcome to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you uh, have had a good weekend. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Uh, lots to bring to you in uh, tonight as we give you our penultimate Sunday show before the holidays. Uh, actually, our penultimate show, period, now that I think about it. Um, if you've got questions for us, you can always interact with us on social media at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Once again, on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. If you happen to be listening to us on our podcast via SoundCloud and or iTunes, we certainly appreciate it. Your patronage. Uh, lots to talk about. We obviously will have a new top 25 uh, on Monday, as we normally would. I think we might have one more next Monday. I'm I'm honestly drawing a blank. I'm <laughs> just not on top of it like I normally are. But, man, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll have another one as well. So uh, two more top 25s before the end of the season. Um, a reminder, we will not be on air Thursday as we will be down in Salem, Virginia for the football championship week uh, with Gallardi Trophy and all that. Very busy with that. But uh, Sunday this Sunday and then next Sunday we'll be on the air uh, before the holidays. Uh, but again, top 25s coming out. Shouldn't get any major overhauls. Um, I think we'll certainly have some changes, some movement, uh, as once again we have some upsets. And hold on, i got to get my sheet. Got to thank Daryl Nestor. For his hard work on D3 boards, that's where I go and get this information. Um, ooh, well, the wife won't be happy. I printed up on some bad paper. Ah, well, we'll see if we can... Uh, well, we're going to have to probably reprint this. <laughs> um, we'll get it again. But a couple upsets that I know off the top of my head, for example, not really an upset, kind of an even game. Uh, Christopher Newport and Virginia Wesleyan played today. Very back-and-forth game. Came down to the end. I don't know what was drawn up for Virginia Wesleyan, but Corey Moore had the ball. Uh, decided not to try and beat his man. Decided not to pass it. And as the time was winding down, shot about a 28-footer. At least it felt like 28 feet. Maybe it was closer to 25, but still pretty far out. It hit iron, but didn't. wasn't really a great shot. Uh, and Christopher Newport wins by three. Um, that was the big result on that side of things. Um, St. Um, St. John Fisher once again played today, but here's the here's the men's side of things. We'll start at the top. Uh, nobody in the top three lost. Augustana, Whitworth, and Amherst. Uh, Amherst playing three games. One of them um, we were talking about on Thursday because they played Thursday against Babson in a double overtime thriller. They then came back and beat LaSalle 101-69. Back-to-back games with 100-plus points for Amherst. Granted, a little bit deceiving because the Babson game in regulation certainly wasn't that high scoring. Ohio Wesleyan, scratchy, 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 lost to Hiram 74-72. That's an oh interesting one. Not sure what I'm going to do with that. Hope beat Platteville 79-69 in a game that didn't even sound like it was that close. St. Thomas won twice. Elmer's won twice. Marietta won. Stevens Point lost to North Central in an ugly game, 63-49. Um, remember last year, Stevens Point was could win a game like that by only scoring 49 because they'd hold their opponents to about 40. Uh, but not this year. They recovered to beat Lawrence, but that North Central loss is going to kind of stick in the Stick in the minds of top 25 voters. Virginia Wesleyan, as we mentioned, the only game today in this week, and they lost by three to number 13, Christopher Newport. Game of 12 v. 13. 
Um, Trinity, Connecticut would love to have this week all over again. Lost to Eastern Connecticut, 57-49. Then lost to Susquehanna on Friday, 79-74, before easily winning uh, against Kings on uh, Saturday, 90-63. Brooklyn would love to have this weekend back as well. Uh, they get some top 25 love from a lot of voters, plus an article on D3Hoops.com. They beat Medgar Evers to start the season or start the week, but then lost to Albertus Magnus 106-89 and lost to Lehman 80-77. to uh, They are now 9-2, and two. could be in jeopardy of falling out of the top 25. Some voters may not love that. Uh, they will not drop out of my top 25 ballot. They're certainly going to fall. We mentioned Baps, and their only game this week was the Amherst game, and they lost that. Wash U lost to Augustana. That isn't as much a surprise as maybe the score. They beat Augustana 70 to 60, or lost to Augustana 70 to 67. That's a little tighter than I was anticipating. I know I was certainly have been second guessing whether I wanted Wash U in my top 25 ballot to begin with. That is a good outcome. I don't know if it's going to be justification for me to remove them now from the top 25 when you only lose by three to Augustana. Certainly there's some external circumstances there, but that's an interesting one. We mentioned Salisbury earlier this week had lost to Penn State Harrisburg. It was the only game they played. Eastern East Texas Baptist won twice this week, including to the uh, very unknown Rust squad. Mountain Union won twice this week. John St. John Fisher only played once. It was today, and they lost to Oiana State, 77-73. St. John Fisher has lost three of their last four after starting the season on a, on a three-game winning streak. So they are 4-3, and three, certainly will be out of the top 25. Whitewater beat Wheaton in a, a game that Wheaton fans certainly weren't thrilled about, 80-72. to 72. Illinois Wesleyan receiving votes. They lost to Loris, 92-81. Uh, not a good, uh, it's the only game they played. They're down to 4-3. and three. We'll see how many people. They were technically 26. They were the next team get in votes, uh, five points behind Whitewater. We'll see what happens to them. Uh, Bethel lost to St. John's. Uh, Albertus Magnus, uh, before they beat Brooklyn, we talked on Thursday, had lost to Fitchburg State. Eastern Connecticut lost to Colorado College. That was bookend by beating Trinity and Rhode Island College. By the way, Rhode Island College 1-10 and 10 this season um, under second-year head coach. Keene State lost to Mass Boston, not a good loss at all. Pacific Lutheran lost to Evergreen State, non-Division three. Williams lost to Oneonta State. Aurora lost, and apparently it wasn't even pretty, Um and then uh, Aurora uh, lost to Marion. St. Vincent lost to Catholic. Nice to see Catholic get back into their winning ways. I mentioned in my top 25 blog this week, I may have mentioned it on Thursday, Catholic um, allowing 76.1 points a game entering the week, now down to 75 points a game. That is the most points a Catholic has allowed defensively in a season so far all century. As far back as stats go consistently, goes back to 99-2000 season. And I find only one north of 70 points, north of 69 points, just one other season. They were 14 and 12. That was two years ago, three years ago. So Catholics certainly struggling on the defensive end, but they beat St. Vincent 80 to 56 and they beat Dickinson, who's in a tailspin, I would say, 81-71. Juniata lost to Randolph in a game that Juniata was winning easily and then Randolph Woke up in the second half. Uh, so Juniata takes their first loss. That's all on the men's side of things. On the women's side of things, a little bit, I think, uh, a little bit more uh, chalk, as it were, as the joke goes, or the saying is. 
Uh, the top six, no losses whatsoever with uh, NYU not even playing. St. Thomas lost to St. Catherine, 67-63. Uh, number eight, Tufts lost yet again, this time to Connecticut College. Con College beat them 61-55. Um, you're going to have to go all the way down then to um, 22, Capital. Capital lost to 24, Ohio Northern, 58-46. And after you lost, we mentioned this earlier in the week, their third to Drew, 61-55. Moravian lost to Albright, who was right ahead of them in points. Chicago lost to North Park, and a little surprise loss there. It wasn't close, 16 points, 70-54. Uh, River Falls lost to Luther. Uh, we had just talked to River Falls on Thursday. We kind of knew uh, Luther would be a challenge. They lost 71-64. Mary Washington lost to York. York's having a heck of a season this year, a quick rebound from a struggle last year. They won. Uh, York beat Mary Washington 55-49, though I did see York barely beat Goucher earlier in the week, um, 72-65, and the game was actually closer than that. Um, Whitman beat, uh, lost to Kowloon and then uh, beat Southwestern. Carthage would love to have this week back there uh, in, in struggling. Heading into the uh, into the break and heading to the D3Hoops.com Classic. Lost to Coe, which we mentioned Thursday, and then lost to Lacrosse. 62-50. Carthage down to 4-4 four and four on the season. Marietta lost to Heidelberg, and McDaniel lost to E-Town. Uh, that's not a good loss for McDaniel. 59-53. So there you go with your top 25 recaps here on Sunday night. Um, plenty to talk about. I don't think you're going to see a huge shuffle in the top 25 necessarily. Um, certainly there's a lot to, to look at. There's a lot to, to consider and try and figure out, but I don't think you're going to see overhaul major shuffling going on, um, necessarily a lot of teams idle this week. A lot of teams will be idle next week and the following week, obviously. So, you know, things are slowing down a little bit. This is kind of a time when top 25 voters can either kind of settle in a little bit and understand who the top teams are, or this is a, a struggling part or a, or a tough part because you don't have enough data now coming back in to make better judgments. And you're, and you're kind of guessing still. You'd like to get more games under your belt. You're kind of wishing January would get here already. Um, but we'll see what happens. Obviously, the top 25, I think we're voting again. Again, I think we're voting next week. And uh, if we do, that'll be the last one for two weeks. Uh, that's why I think we're voting. Uh, we'll be back in action in early January in the top 25s. Again, if you have questions for us, uh, you can always um, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, pretty easy way to, to stay in touch with us. Here are our guests for tonight coming up on the show. We will have um, Whitman's women's head coach, Michelle Friends. We'll talk about the start to the season. They are 7-1 and one overall. But they are three and one in Division Three, uh, or maybe they're eight and one. I I got to double check. Seven and one. I'm correct. Eight games. They are four and zero oh out of Division Three. Four games to start the season out of Division Three. Last year, those four games were in the middle of the season. May have cost Whitman a chance at the NCAA tournament. We'll talk to her now. Granted, they were twenty and ten. Can you really say four games cost them? But when those are wins doesn't equal out to the SOS sometimes. So we'll talk to Coach Friends about the concerns with that. Speaking of women's basketball, we'll jump back to the East Coast, talk to Gwen and Mercy's Keith Mondillo about his team, 
Uh, they're off to a terrific start, are the Griffins, in women's basketball. Certainly worth talking, especially in an interesting CSAC where Cabrini, on both the men's and women's side, but especially the women's side, has come back to the group in an essence. So Cabrini certainly playing very good basketball. Normally, I mean, uh, Gwen and Mercy, normally a NCAA um, shoe-in, but have not been there in uh, coming up on four seasons. This, they make it this year. It'll be the first time since the 2012. Uh, on the men's side, we'll talk to Johnson & Wales men's head coach, Jamie Benton. Johnson & Wales off to a heck of a start. The Wildcats are favored to win the GSAC, or I mean the GNAC, according to, yeah, not the GSAC, the GSAC's at women's conference where they don't play each other. Uh, the GNAC, uh, favored ahead of Albertus Magnus, but Albertus Magnus is having a good season. We have to wait until mid-January to see that game, but we're going to talk to the Wildcats Cats head coach coming up on the show. And then have you seen what Roanoke men's basketball is up to? Six out of their eight games have been 100-plus points. They have won seven straight. What is in the water in the Roanoke Valley? Besides purple, the Maroons are not purple. We'll talk to Paige, not about the football championships coming up, but we will talk to him about what they're doing. I texted him earlier this week and said, what are you guys doing? Are you running the system or something? He goes, no, not the system, and then gave me an answer. To be honest with you, it's not worth repeating because it's not that easy to understand. So we will talk to him about what is going on with his program. Looking forward to hearing from him. That's all coming up on the show here tonight. Again, if you have questions, at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, email us Hoopsville, D3Hoops. Another team just to mention, because, hey, it's worth mentioning, SUNY Canton. believe it's in their second season. They are 8-0. They thumped, thumped for, uh, Potsdown today. Absolutely smoked them. 85-60, to 65, uh, I should say. 85-60. to 60. Are they for real? I don't know if the Kangaroos are for real. We will find out as the season progresses. We'll certainly get them on the show later in the season, obviously. For uh, for good measure. Um, so obviously a lot going on. We're kind of settling down a little bit. Finals are in play. Obviously that that affects a number of things. Um, so certainly got to keep keep an eye on things uh, as set, things settle down and things pick up. As things settle down for teams when they're in the finals. Um, you're gauging these breaks. We'll talk to coaches about these breaks that they have coming up and see how they can figure themselves and keep themselves fresh. At the same time, things will then re-pick up. Some teams are taking a break for finals, then get a game or two, then taking another break for the holidays and getting back at it. Some are just taking long three-week breaks, two-and-a-half, three-week breaks between games to get finals in, get holidays in. Um, some others um, are plowing through. Uh, get to the break and then take a uh, holiday break and then take a short break. It's it's different across the board, all depending on scheduling. So a lot of different things out there to figure out. Some teams are not doing holiday tournaments, uh, not staying involved between Christmas and New Year's, like the D3Hoops.com Classic, and they're just coming back in January. Some are getting a non-conference game in before they tackle the conference champion or conference season. Some are going straight into conference season. It's a, it's a wide mix. It's obviously dependent on the size of the conference. It's dependent on what they've done already in the season. Obviously, a lot of factors in play. But that results in different results, different outcomes, different uh, motives, different different ways of doing things. And so we'll keep an eye on a lot of that 
uh, coming up. In that top 25, there were certainly a lot of idols, as it were, um, on the season. So that's what we've got coming up on the show. Again, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or, or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're monitoring it all. Uh, even if you chat in the um, in the YouTube page, we'll even try and keep an eye out on that. I sent a tweet out earlier. This will be the last thing we do before we take a break here. I sent a tweet out a couple days ago about the, once again, always being thankful for the support that this show gets, and we truly are thankful for the support this gets, including the coaches who help us out coming on the show and whatnot, but especially the NABC, who once again re-upped, as expected, their support with this show. Um, their financial support has been invaluable. You may see me wearing a few NABC shirts in the near future. Also, maybe get some uh, bling of theirs into the backdrop. And you'll notice, by the way, quick side note, that the uh, basketball from the Wendy's Classic has made it into our backdrop. It was there on Thursday. You'll see it right there, right below the Hoopsville Classic one. As I try and be like a meteorologist, but in reverse. Anyway, there it is, and there's the Hoopsville one. I um, want to thank them for the support. But back to the NABC, the financial support will allow us to hit the road this year. We already went up to the Wendy's Classic, as you'll know. Uh, we will be in January at this time. We are planning to go to Texas. Not sure how much how many games we can hit, as we're also going to be at the NCAA convention. But our goal is to to hit some games while we're out there. Um, at the same time, and how that'll affect Hoopsville, by the way, we're not sure yet. I haven't figured out what we're going to do with those Thursdays and sun, and Saturday shows, but nonetheless, excuse me. Um, and then we may get one other weekend of travel in before the NCAA tournament, but that is to be determined. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to get into our interviews, and we're going to specifically talk to women's head coach uh, Michelle Ferencz from Whitman. We'll talk to her about their start to the season, which is a little bit different than you would expect, mainly mainly because they haven't played any Division threes until really recently. We'll talk to her about how her squad is uh, responding to that challenge and obviously at the same time how that may affect the end of their season. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoops Hope right after this. Division three allows you to be able to give yourself to other things, not even just participate in them, but really get involved with them if you want to. There's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not just sitting back, taking notes. You're actually doing hands-on things and better preparing yourself for your major. Choosing a Division III school, I've had the opportunity to develop my leadership skills and to be more involved on campus. Division III in athletics you know, affords students the opportunity not only to participate in uh, intercollegiate athletics at a competitive level, but also gives them the opportunity to you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport and outside of the academics on the campus and to have opportunity to have time to join clubs and being able to play basketball, it allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. 
and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Got one question that we'll certainly ask our two coaches coming up, but I'll try and give an answer to it as well. Jay asks us, which of the rule changes has had the biggest impact in the women's game in the early season games? Uh, I would say two things have had the biggest impact. I think the quarters has certainly had the biggest impact. Um, I have seen, I think, uh, maybe different coaching styles in terms of of, um, of when they're using their timeouts because they get one in the middle of a half now, technically. I'm also seeing it different in the sense of how they're subbing their, their players uh, as a result of that. The other one that's obviously been pretty big, though, I haven't seen a major impact, but I know it's on coaches' minds. We heard Nancy Faye say it a couple weeks ago on the show, was the 28-foot uh, ability to bring the ball up at the end of a ha- at the end of a game if you have timeouts left to bring the ball up to the 28 foot line, um, you know, basically two thirds of the way up the court and how that is added to the out of bounds plays and, and changes the complexion of what the final minute could possibly be. Those are certainly the two biggest ones that we were expecting in women's basketball. And obviously think they're making the biggest impact, but we'll get our coaches opinions on that here coming up. Um, speaking of coaches, we'll go to our right to our first one. And of course, this team is uh, off to another good, solid start in women's basketball. Of course, they just missed out on the NCAA tournament last year as an at-large team. Of course, the Northwest Conference has become a bit of a juggernaut, as it were. Uh, George Fox certainly is proof of that. But Whitman is off to another great start, thirty-one and two last uh, two years ago, sixteen and ten last year was a tough season, but a good one. And now they're off to a seven and one start. Yet again, and so joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Michelle Ferenc. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Dave, it is great to talk to you again. Well, so, I appreciate thanks that. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, quick question. Um, mm-hmm. You started this, you know, obviously you're off to a great start here. Actually, we'll start yeah. with that. So you're off to a great start, 7-1 and one overall. Your only loss is in the Division Three Cal Lutheran, 74-64. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you rattled off six, um, six consecutive to start. Was that what you were hoping from for the beginning of the season? You know, we're we're as you know, we've graduated a lot over the last couple of years. Yeah. So we we're a we're a pretty young team. You know, uh, we only have two seniors, uh, lots of you know sophomores and freshmen playing a lot of minutes. So we we're thrilled. I mean, we are playing. You know, we're playing with a lot of um, intensity and energy, making mistakes, but yeah. you know the hustle and the you know the we're playing a probably a little higher level than we thought we would at this point in the season um you know so thrilled about that but obviously now it's uh you know there's no nights off in the Northwest conference so you know we had you know we had two games or you know and then they were they were good games i mean there's just no nights off so it's yeah. uh now it's how, now now yeah okay we, we need to get better we've got some things to work on but um just a very different group this year um but but playing really well together What's interesting is you started the season with four non-Division three games. We'll get more into that yeah. later, but it's almost kind of weird. Now, in my mind, it's like, oh, my gosh, your first game in Division three was a conference game. Were you ready? But I have to remember, you still played four games prior to that, obviously. Um, yeah. It, but does it, get, does it truly get you ready for a season when you're playing different divisional or different organizational teams, or is it basketball is basketball is basketball? Um, you know, we're, as you know, we're a little isolated out here. Yeah. And so filling up on a, you know, it, it, 
we would love to have more Division Three games, but you know we're trying to balance the budget with you know getting you know Division Three opponents. So we we had you know we played four games, um, played all NAIs, um, you know Division Two NAIs, which you know there's a couple pretty good ones out here. And we did we played Eastern Oregon, who's a very good one, and uh, Warner Pacific, who had just knocked off Portland State of Division One the week before we played them. So. You know, the quality was – they were good games, well-coached teams. You know, that that part of it was good. Um, obviously, you know, you'd rather play your level. You'd <laughs> rather get the sure. Division three, the West, especially the West Region games, on your resume because, you know, it's one of the things in the overall picture at the end of the year is how many Division threes did you play, how many West Region opponents did you play, and what's your winning percentage is against those. And, and you know, and obviously it's harder out here in the West because we just, we just don't have – the options we can't you know our, our our conference you know whitworth was just down here this weekend for a, a tournament that we hosted and that's where we played cal Calu. and you know i mean we're three hours away from whitworth <laughs> you know so yeah. it's, it's 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 just a different geography out here so you know it's it's we you know i thought you know we played good teams we, you know played two of the four teams were very good teams and you know so it got us ready but yeah i see what you're saying i mean we just it's just the way the schedule works out you know well, um well obviously it's hard. yeah i got you guys going i mean obviously that's what i yeah. mean by it's basketball it's basketball it's basketball you're still playing mm-hmm. basketball so going into linfield it's not like you're playing your first game um no. but but my question is i remember pat and i last year when we did our 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 selections to the ncaa tournament selected the you know the 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 pool C teams. I think he and I convinced ourselves that you and Chicago were going to get in. We based it on mm-hmm. an SOS because your SOS was pretty darn good. Let's admit it. Yeah. Yeah. Tough season. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, tough season. Uh, it, it, we'd be we'd be lying if we didn't say it was a tough season. Um, you know, finishing sixteen and ten overall, and eleven and five mm-hmm. in conference. But you know, uh, mess those losses, or at least two of those losses and two of those wins were not in division. So it's more like a a fourteen and eight record. Uh, it looked mm-hmm. pretty good, but you didn't get yeah. it. The SOS no. didn't outweigh the fact that those four games pretty much didn't exist on the resume. Do you worry mm-hmm. about that when you do those do schedule those four games? You know, you you yeah. I mean, I've been on the committee and I understand yeah. how it works and you know how important getting as many division threes as possible on their schedule but again um you know it's it's balancing the other things too you know yeah. trying to we we just we we just don't have the budget to bring enough teams here we don't quite you know we don't have the yeah. budget to travel all the time so we you know we just have to balance it as much as we can if we can get nine of our we have nine non-conference if we can get six of those in c division three that's that's a good scheduling year sure. so you know that's for us and so yeah no i do i, I completely understand in our strength of schedule i mean the northwest conference isn't going to be any easier this year i mean no. it's, it's young it, it's young i mean it's, it, it the conference got hit with a lot of graduation the last couple of years but um it's still every night that, i think that's the thing is every night's a big game in the northwest yeah. conference on the women's side there's just no nights off and it looking at the the early season it doesn't look like there's it's going to be the same we're yeah. going to get better playing our conference and whoever comes out will be very ready you know the top two or three teams will be very ready to compete nationally i mean that's that's the nature of our conference we'll talk more about the conference in a bit but mm-hmm. more I'm on the schedules you are going to hit the road literally hit yep. the air i should say flying to nashville <laughs> tennessee i feel horrible for you going to a great little town like nashville <laughs> uh well you'll take on uh of course very good uh pat uh-huh. uh, pat coached williams squad um, who are undefeated, and then you'll take on Penn State Baron in the other one at the National Music City Classic. Um, so you'll at least be able to go get a couple of nice games in there for yourselves. 
Um, <laughs> but you're in the middle of a break. I mean, your last game was Southwestern, yeah. and that was uh, yesterday. And now you're going to spend <laughs> essentially two some odd weeks off, like everybody does at this time of mm-hmm. year, before you'll take on Williams on the 29th. You'll send, you're essentially taking uh, two and a half weeks off. How do you keep the team focused? And then how do you get them ready for what will be a tough cross-country trip only because you guys are, you know, that's a tough travel in general. It is a tough travel. Um, you know, we we are we're in finals next week, so we're not, you know, we're not doing anything official. Um, you know, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. We, yeah, you know, you have to, we give we don't do anything for three or four days and then most of the kids go home i'll be honest they they go home and we send workouts and i you know i think part of it is it has to matter i mean it has to matter enough to your team that they understand how important it is that they stay in condition sure. and that they're got a basketball in their hands and that they're doing the workouts and you know they need to come back in shape ready to go and you know they that's one of the things too with this team. We've had we have you know some kids that have been through it. We have some players who understand, mm-hmm. you know, and of them you know. But then we have the young. We have some younger players that are just just learning. They're just figuring out you know where you know what it's all about. So, you know, it, it is. It's just kind of the reality where you know we get Williams is a very good team. I mean, I think this is a, be the third or fourth time I've played Williams. You know, <laughs> which you know, it's kind of unusual because yeah. I mean it's not exactly down the road and around the corner. Uh, you know, and we know how good they're going to be. And so, you know, and it's an important game on the national level. I mean, it's it's two teams that, you know, want to be in the national picture at the end yeah. of the year. So, you know, we, we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun trip. We're looking forward to it, but it's also a very important basketball trip. But then we also turn around and we're on the road back. We have four straight road games in the Northwest Conference. So we got to come back ready to go. So have a great Christmas, but do your workouts, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how it is. Or have a great vacation, but, you know, we – we we have to we have to take care of business, you know, especially because the academics um, are going to take, you know, really take center stage for sure. the next three or four days. You know, they have to. These, yeah. this, these kids have worked hard, and they need to focus on doing well in their finals. So. Well, you know, Pat Manning will have her team ready. Do you go? Or how soon in advance are you flying out to that? We will fly out the day before. We will oh. come back to campus right after Christmas, practice for a couple of days, and then we will head out. Um, we kind of planned it so we at least get a, we could get two or three good practices in at home before okay. we hit the air. So, um, yeah. So some coaches like to go and be there, but we're we're doing it the other way. So, um, of course, after that, you'll have a few days, almost a week, to kind of get uh, back acclimated to the <laughs> West Coast before you'll get back into conference play, and that's the rest of the schedule. And you'll take on Whitworth, of course, to start things off. George Fox, though, looming after a game with Pacific in between. Mm-hmm. Um, now we'll get back to that conference conversation. What do you expect from this conference? I I I just think it's going to be the same old, same old. I think all. I mean, every game's important. Every venue, every time we go on the road, it's it's a big game. Every time you're, every Northwest Conference game is good. It's, it's just a good conference, athletic, good coaches. Um, you know, some of the teams that finished. I think we ended up tied for third last year, but the teams that finished below in the, our conference return a lot of players. I mean, they've been through it now, and they're playing at a higher level this year than they did last year. So no nights off. I mean, it's uh, going to Whitworth is always, you know, a tough environment. Uh, going when we, we traveled to Pacific and, you know, went to Pacific last year and, you know, had to come back and win by two. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just not easy. I mean, I, that's one thing that I know our veterans understand. You know, the, the kids that have been through it, they, they understand. There's just you, – you have to show up every night. So um, 
you know, so it's it's four games on the road to start is uh, not ideal, <laughs> but it is what it's. I mean, it's it is what it is. I mean, yeah. it is what it is, and you just don't make excuses. Told you know, we won't be back here playing a game until something like the twenty second of January. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. It's it's a it's a you know kind of saying goodbye to Walla Walla for a little while. So. Well, certainly <laughs> a lot of games when your students are back in session, but yeah, Whitworth Pacific, yeah. George Fox, Willamette all on the road before then home mm-hmm. against Puget Sound and Pacific Lutheran, then two more games on the road, then four at home. And weirdly enough, you'll finish on the road after all of I that, um, <laughs> which, you know, what, obviously you got the two games to start the season at home against Linfield and Lewis and Clark and got out yeah. to a 2-0 start in the conference. Of course, tough game against Lewis and Clark. Let's yeah. let's talk about your team, though. Um, yeah. You're young, as you said, you know, not yeah. a lot of seniors. So what, two seniors on this squad? Um, yeah. A handful of juniors, a whole mess of sophomores. You're led by a sophomore in Casey yeah. Poe, uh, nearly 12 mm-hmm. points a game. Um, she's also handing out most of the assists on the team, um, getting four rebounds a game. Um, second on the team is is it Elise Kettner? Elise Kettner, one of our juniors, yeah. Nice, Elise Kettner, obviously uh, playing well as well. Ten and a half points a game, five rebounds a game. And then nearly ten points from Haley McDonald. Um, to help you out in that, man. Obviously, McDonald being a senior, so you're yeah. getting kind of a, a wide selection from those three from different classes. But how does that affect the team makeup? And and where are you? I mean, obviously, you have seniors that leading this team, but what about the rest of the makeup? You know, the makeup it it is young. We have um, and we and even the the kids that played a lot. We we had a lot of injuries last year, so you know, one of the things that we really relied on Heather John a lot because we were so and we were just beat up. We had a couple. Knee injuries. We had a couple. Elise Kettner, you know, had to have a uh, shoulder surgery. Haley McDonald missed uh, seven weeks right in the middle with a stress fracture. We were just, we were just all over the place, you know, in terms of lineups and what we were doing. So, you know, this year staying a little healthier. Not going to lie, you know, you, it's <laughs> the thing you can't. Yeah, it's the thing you can't control. You know, you, yeah. you can't control, but you know, everything else you feel like you can. But, um, you know, the the makeup of this team it's just they're they're they play very well together. You know, they share the ball. There's a lot of balance. You know, Heather averaged 20 points a game last year. We're just not we're just not going to probably have that type of player this year. You know, um, if we're successful, it seems like we have great balance. You know, Haley Amaeda is our other senior. And, and Haley and Haley, both the two Haley's, the, the seniors, both played, you know, a ton of minutes for us when we, in 2014. Yeah. You know, we made the run. Elise and, and then Chelsea came off the bench, one of our other juniors. So they, they get it, So. But the makeup of this team, it is, it's young. So the sophomores, Casey, is, we, Casey Poe, we moved to the, to the point guard spot, and she's responded very well. You know, she's she's doing some great things, and Haley McDonald's playing very well. I mean, we've been a little beat up. Um, Emily Rommel, who started a lot for us last year, is a freshman, hurt her knee, and so she played one and a half games. We just got her back this weekend. We're still waiting for Kendra Winchester to come back off an injury. So we're, we've got, you know, we've got a funny makeup, but we are young, and that's kind of the, the focus is just, you know, keep getting better, keep getting better. And, you know, I think part of um, our youth showed in our game against California Lutheran. We just, we, you know, we didn't, we weren't quite ready to play a team that's playing at that level, you know, led by three great seniors. So it kind of showed us some things we need to work on. So I was going to uh, say, not, Cal, you know, yeah. Cal, you know, Cal Luth, uh, you know, three and three starts of the season. They also only lost to, by two to George Fox to start the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they had a dominating win over Lewis and Clark themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And after beating you guys, went on and beat Whitworth. 
you know, sometimes three and three doesn't really tell you the whole story. <laughs> um, but at the no. same time, so either just, you know, seven and one. And and that's why, you know, yeah. obviously it's it's good to get a kind of an inside take on that. You lose that one by 10 after barely getting past Lewis and Clark the oh. week earlier. Is this, I mean, uh-huh. it sounds like it's just the team trying to find themselves. It really is. I mean, we're, you know, we, they're playing, we're playing hard, but, you know, we're, we're still, we, we're still trying to find out, especially offensively, our, our identity a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, you know, getting, getting Emily back into the mix and, you know, um, we were, we're not very, we weren't very big. We we're, you know, without Em on the floor. And so it's, it's been, it's, it is, it's, it's been fine. A lot about finding who we're going to be and, and, you know, so to be seven and one and, and just, and having the kids play as well as they are, you know, and playing as hard as they are is just something to build on. So, but, you know, we, we do need to, we've, we've got some things to work on. A lot of good coaches in our conference and we need to execute better. And we need to, you know, I, I mean, I know Williams, I mean, they're, they're going to run their stuff and they're going to run it well. And, you know, so um, that's a good challenge. That'd be a good challenge for us on the road before we have to go, you know, and start, you know, the, the four road games in the conference. So, a little growing up. Every 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 game gets a little better. But yeah, you know, Lewis and Clark came and played a great game, and they haven't won this year. Right. You know, and they've given some people some games, but um, they just came and were just absolutely focused and on fire, and, and we weren't. We were very flat, and we really had to come back and really had to had to expend a lot of energy to get ourselves back in the game. But you know, Casey um, Poe and Haley McDonald kind of led the charge, and we got it done. But we learned a lesson about you know. You know, you tell you tell your players it's you got to show up every night in the conference. Everybody's good. Don't look at records, but I think yeah. now they believe me a little more. So I think I feel <laughs> credibility for coach. But uh, yeah, I'm you know, and and but yeah, no, I, I just uh, you know credit to them. They they played a great game. Nothing don't take anything away. They their kids came and played probably their best game of the season, and and we were a little flat, and it was a battle. So um, we will you know lesson learned. Yeah. So. Hopefully we we get better from it. Well, it'll be interesting too because uh, Penn State Baron four and four. You'll get a good little test out there uh, in mm-hmm. in Nashville, and obviously it sounds like yeah. you're gonna you know be able to take advantage of the break and and get healthy. Uh, the other thing that you're everyone in women's basketball is adjusting to are the new rules. And you probably heard <laughs> yeah. me at the beginning. And the question we got from Jay is what what rules have had the biggest impact? What rule has rules have had the biggest impact in your mind? You know, I started at the high school level, so I feel like I've come full circle. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I really yeah. do. I mean, yeah. I, 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 played, I, I coached for 10 years at the high school level and before I, I came to Whitman. So, um, it's, I, you know, it's, I do, I have, I've had to adjust to how I substitute and rotate and, um, you know, when I use my timeouts because having that, you're basically playing almost in five minute segments, you know, and how are you, you know, when do you rescue, when do you rotate, you know, yeah. when, you know, and so that's probably the biggest adjustment for me because, um, you know, I'm, you know, my, I drive my assistants crazy because I, you know, I forget to use a timeout. I, you know, I, I forgot the first two games I had to use one. So I, you know, and we've, you know, on our media policy. So I, you know, they always have to remind me. <laughs> so I'm, I, and I, you know, and so it's, it's been an adjustment for me. Um, I've been a little bit out of sync on my rotations at a couple games. So I'm getting better. But, uh, you know, it's that's probably been the biggest thing for me is the timeouts and, and the quarters. Um, the half-court thing we haven't, you know, used a whole lot. Um, <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I, that one kind of, that kind of struck me as kind of an, an odd change to I've been, make. I've but, been calling it a gimmick. I I think I I would probably agree with you. I, I just thought that didn't seem to fit 
what they were going, you know, going for in terms of what they were, you know, trying to speed the game up, make it a little more offensive. Um, you know, I, that one just kind of, I don't know, that just kind of struck me like, oh, the NBA, you know, but I don't know. It's, we haven't used it a whole lot. Maybe we will. Um, you know, maybe it'll become more of a factor. I, I mean, I'm not, I, we'll have close games. I'm if you, if you, sure if it, you so. win a game with that, I'm calling you. Yeah, but, yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you can give me a bad time. I I will agree. Yeah, I know it's uh, so. You know we. You know it'll be interesting. You spend a lot of time on more time on sideline out of bounds and more time on yeah. executing out of them. But we haven't used it a whole lot yet. So, but I'm but I'm sure we will. So I'm sure it'll come into play because you know Northwest Conference games tend to be. Close. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not. I, I you know so probably affect us more. Yeah, I think the timeouts or the the timeouts media. We went to the five minute medias. You know, every five minutes there's media in the four quarters. That's been for me probably the biggest adjustment, and that's just me and you know trying to figure out how to rotate kids so and keep them a little fresher and you know so that's that's been hard for me. So totally understand. Um, yeah. Well, I uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do, especially when you get back from the break, but I'm really looking forward yeah. to that Williams game coming up uh, on the 29th. Um, but as always, you know what we uh, always do. We leave the, the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? You know, I am. No, I just I keep thinking we're going to get you out here one of these days, Dave. <laughs> I'm going to have to find a sponsorship deal, I, you know, I'm, and get you out here to Walla Walla. <laughs> Um, we just put on a great tournament um, with, you know, Southwestern and, and California yeah. and Whitworth, and I, you would have had a blast. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking I might have to uh, might have to get that one on my 80s agenda. You know, you get go. you guys out here. Get you out here. I mean, you know, and it's not not as far as you think. But, um, uh, well, yeah. I've, I've flown to Portland. I did it in late October okay. for my, my sister's go. wedding. So I've now at least checked off the states <laughs> of Washington and, and Oregon off. My, my list, but I've not gotten for games yet. I know it's not as bad as it could be. The trip isn't yeah. horrific, uh, but yeah. I agree. I want to get out there for some games. It was a little surreal to see some names I'm used to on, on exit signs, um, but go. I'm not used to seeing on exit signs. Is, <laughs> it's, it's the difference. I hear you. I hear you. Or yeah, looking I hear you. at a volcano. That's a little yeah. new, too. Uh, it is. It's, it's for real out here. <laughs> it really is. It, it really is. Uh, we can tell some funny stories on the side, like driving up to Mount St. Helens and going, oh, my gosh, I'm right there. Okay. Yeah. 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 Or no, or driving down the coast and practically falling out of the mountain into the beach. Yeah. Rather interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's very different out here. Yeah. We like it, but we, oh, it's uh, beautiful. Yeah. It's, it is. It is. It is. It's uh, and you know uh, a lot of uh, great basketball happens yeah. out here in the Northwest Conference. Well, I'd so, love you know, to. I'd love to. Days, yeah. Get here. <laughs> I'd love to get out there. Walla Walla's on my list, mainly for the name. Perfect. Um, yeah. And secondly, for you guys, but. Uh, oh. There you go, of course. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, thank you. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk. Great. And, well, I appreciate uh, it, Dave. <laughs> absolutely. Take care of yourself. Good luck the rest of the season. I have a feeling we'll be talking about you later. I sure hope so. I hope I hope we stay on your radar. So yeah. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Take care, Coach. <laughs> take care. Michelle Varenz joining us from Whitman. Again, they'll take on number 17th-ranked Williams coming up on the 29th. Obviously a little bit of time away. Uh, before that game, but a lot to cover in between, especially for the students. It's the finals, but everything else after that. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll stick with women's basketball. Go to Gwen and Mercy. Talk to their head coach about their hot start to the season as well. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. 
Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I know sports is important, but having the academic part along with it is a big plus. I've discovered in myself, you know, a, a newfound ability to overcome adversity at all different angles. At a Division III school, school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. The end result, in my mind, is you just become a very well-rounded person. Before I came into college, I didn't really think I'd be able to balance so much. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. With a D3 school, there's a lot of time for other opportunities. The coaches expect a lot of you during soccer, but after soccer, that's your own personal time to really find out who you are and other opportunities that you can pursue. By balancing all of my interests, basketball, my leadership skills, and academics, I'm able to better prioritize my life and to manage it. I know sports. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. You can also um, tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Uh, lots of ways to interact with us. Once again, thanks to Michelle Ferenc for joining us from Whitman. Team is uh, off to a great start. wonder if those four games, though, will come back to haunt them in some way. Not in a, Certainly don't want to wish that on them. But again, Pat and I thought they would get in thanks to that SOS, but we were concerned. But the fact that those four games didn't count, knocking off two wins and knocking off two losses off of the record, it certainly came back. We'll see what happens uh, the rest of the season. But it's certainly going to be an interesting Northwest Conference race out there uh, on the women's side. Let's uh, jump from uh, Washington State to Pennsylvania. And uh, we're going pretty far into uh, east on Pennsylvania. Jump to our next women's basketball team. They're off to a, another terrific, or should say, off to a terrific start this season in the Atlantic region. Um, the Griffins are have only lost a game. Certainly are play, playing pretty well at seven and one. They're one loss to a pretty good DeSales squad, who probably woke them up a little bit. I bet Coach would tell us. Um, but at the same time, playing pretty darn good basketball outside of that. So well, let's talk to their head coach, Keith Mondillo, joins us on the Hoopsville line from Gwinnett Mercy. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thank you for having me, Dave. I really appreciate it. It's finally good to talk to you over the phone, seeing you at uh, gyms and. Uh... <laughs> Various NCA convention locations yeah. across the country. Absolutely. Good to see you, too. I just noticed that our picture on your thing, we blew up for some reason. Oh, we'll fix that another time. But anyway, you're you're quite big on the screen. But anyway, um, thanks for joining me. Yeah, I think that it was nice to run into you at the convention or games or wherever we run into each other. But it's nice to talk about yeah. your team here. Um, like I said, off to a 7-1 and one start. This is a rebound after last year's, uh, what, about, uh, I want to say 14-10 and 10 season or something along those lines. Seven, yeah, seventeen and ten. Seventeen and ten. Yeah. I can't, I can't read my own writing. Um, of course, the year before was fifteen and twelve, but the year before that, eighteen and nine, twenty and eight. So, I mean, we know the Griffins play good basketball. It's just been a little while since you guys kind of hit a little funk. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, 
just a recruiting cycle. You know, you have uh, good teams and you have average teams. And it seems like the last couple of years we've always had really good kids, um, great students, work hard, and it, it's just, you know, something to come up and would bite us with an injury or, you know, we just didn't have the right combination of players that particular year. Um, and this year, you know, we're, we're seven and one. And, and, you know, listen to, you know, um, some of the coaches in, the, in, in my area talk and, it's it's just good to get off to a good start. I mean, some of the coaches are, are really good. Have really good teams are like you mentioned before, four and four, or five and three, or three and five. And you know, being at, sitting at seven and one and knowing that uh, you know your team's playing hard and things are starting to you know come to fruition, what you're trying to teach them. It's just happy going into the holiday break that you know, we're playing well. I was going to say, well, especially seven and one in the first eight games of the season before the break. Whereas last year, you guys started three and six. Uh, yeah. In the first nine games, uh, technically before the break, you kind of had a staggered uh, December until finally taking a break after the 20th. So it's just nice compared to last year to kind of have a good start and a good foundation to the season. Yeah, I and mean, we have a, we play our last game of the um, for the holidays tomorrow night yep. down in Richard Stockton, um, which is always a tough opponent, um, tough team in the end, Jack. And uh, you know it, it's. It's one of those things that um, things are coming together. Uh, we, we have a good balance of players, um, good balance of upperclassmen, good balance of freshmen, new players, and uh, they they like each other. They work hard every day in practice, and uh, so far, you know, knock on wood, the injury bug. We have a sick bug here and there, but for the most part, the injury bug has has not found our gymnasium at the moment. Um, hopefully it stays that way. Uh, yeah. Especially with a yeah, you do have Stockton coming up tomorrow. <clears throat> Uh, and after that, you take a, a two-week break, basically, before you head down to D.C. for the Catholics tournament, where you'll take on mm -hmm. Kings uh, and, and a pretty good Catholic squad, who obviously has had mm -hmm. a rough start to the season as well. But listen, you, you're playing your usual uh, usual teams in your area. You played in a sinus squad, who out of conference has struggled, but in conference has uh, dominated. You played William Patterson, Arcadia, who is certainly coming along. It's been a slow process, mm -hmm. but they're coming along. DeSales then kind of jumped up and bit you and bit you pretty good. As I said in the intro, I have a feeling that was a wake-up call. Well, the sales is a tough team. Year yeah. in the year out, they, they have good programs, and, and whether or not their record indicates that they play hard all the time. And um, lost a couple kids in, in transition defense. They hit a couple threes, and next thing you know, a two-point game turns into a ten-point game. Yeah. And then you trade baskets back and forth, and before you know it, you know, you're scrambling to get back into it, and then you, know, you wind up losing. So, yeah, I mean, as a wake-up call, it was. I mean, it taught our team that you have to come and play every day, and I think it was – they never look past anybody. We don't do scouting reports past their next opponent, and, and our players will tell you that. And I just think that coming up and playing against a good team like the Sales is, is going to prepare us later down the line for teams in our conference and then a remainder of our three non-conference games. Uh, then you beat Alvernia, you beat Summit, who's in conference, formerly Baptist yeah. Bible, beat Centenary of New Jersey in conference, then beat Juniata uh, most recently. And, of course, yeah, I mean, you guys want this hot start. You do have this Stockton game ahead of you, so you can go into the holidays kind of feeling good and, and keeping that momentum instead of going in there and kind of wallowing that it's, that it's not working. But after Monday, how do you keep the team focused on the game coming up against Kings? Well, we have exams, and then – yeah, I'm right after exams before we actually leave. We'll get together in the gym once or twice and just, um, you know, practice is a loose term because you know, <laughs> stay focused at that point in time is going to be really difficult. Yeah. So we just get them. And probably what other coaches do, I'm, I told my team I'm going to text them every day 
and they have a specific thing they have to do, whether it's run the mile or do a certain amount of push-ups or sit-ups. And I want them to text me back to let me know that they're actually doing it. Um, but you really, I mean, you can't. I mean, you have to, with the weeks with the NCA, you have to take a week off. Yep. And so regardless of, of what you want to do, you, you have to make sure that you're within the NCA guidelines. And, you know, I think we're going to have actually um, over 10 days off. <clears throat> and it's just one of those things where I think I have a lot of students, a lot of our uh, student athletes are nursing or allied health majors. So they're in clinicals two and three days a week. Yeah. So this eight to 10 day break will do great for them mentally and physically. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, this team is, has got a few seniors on it, but it's mainly a younger team, kind of like we were just talking with Whitman's Michelle Ferenc. Um, you're led um, really by underclassmen. Charlotte, uh, is it Kukowski? Kukowski, um, A junior, six-footer out of Philadelphia, leading the team, 15 points a game, nearly nine rebounds a game. Um, shoots pretty well, even from outside. Watch out, the six-footer can shoot. Um yeah. Uh, just her alone makes me worry that uh, with matchup problems with a team like you. Well, that's a that's a great point, and and she's six foot. She's all six foot, and she's probably closer to six foot one. Hmm. Um, she's had a bunch of double doubles, and um, what we do is, I mean, she's our leading three point scorer, if I'm not mistaken. I think she leads us in three point. Um, she does field goals made in percentage. Uh, she's tied and, with Juliana with with. Um, uh, yeah, they're both made sixteen. So what we do is if, if teams um, come out and play us man, and obviously they're going to have to put a, um, a forward on her just because of the matchups, and then we try and run her off a couple screens, and if they can guard her out there, then so be it. And you know, so far this year and for her whole career, she's been a threat from the perimeter. Um, and she's tall enough that if they try and put a guard on her, we could just throw her down to the post and throw it inside, and she can turn and score. Um, it's not that easy, but obviously we have to get her to do it. And, yeah. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, so you know the person who has the uh, dry erase marker the last time is going to win every time. So we we diagram plays for her to score all the time, but obviously it doesn't work. <laughs> um, but she's uh, she, she's been great. Um, she's got a great demeanor. Charlotte is even keel, up twenty, down twenty, um, beginning of practice, end of practice. She has the same personality. She's very even keel. So is the rest of her. I mean, I, I, I think I looked at our our stats the other day online. And we're leading our conference in assist-to-turnover ratio. Um, you mentioned some young people. We have a sophomore point guard, Bianca Adams, who mm -hmm. she just doesn't turn the ball over. She gets us in offense, and we just, you know, she really makes us go. And, you know, we have our seniors, and Olivia Bradford and Chandler DeFebo, who just lead by example. Chandler will not show up on the stat sheet as being a force out on the floor, but she has tips and deflections, and she leads the top of our press, and she's just, you know, vocal and a physical leader on, on the floor. And, you know, it's nice to have those two types of seniors who are always um, first in line, first in sprints, first in anything every day in practice because they just work so hard. Yeah, it's certainly impressive when you have that. And you mentioned a lot of the players we're going to bring up. But you don't have – I mean, you, you, Charlotte has 15 points a game. Juliana's got 10.5 points a game. But then it's very even from there out for a team that scores – 70 points a game and only allows 56. You certainly have plenty of weapons. Um, you've got four or five. You got to worry about shooting a three-pointer. You got plenty of inside presence. You got plenty of rebounding. Um, not that I'd want to give away the scouting report, but what's what might be the flaw with the team? I don't know at this point in time. I think the flaw is um, us having to play defense for 40 minutes a game. <laughs> I think that's a lot of coaches' flaw. Sure. And and that's what we emphasize because I, I don't think I always tell a team 
no one has ever been shut out in a college basketball game. At least I don't think anyone's been shut out. Not that I'm um, aware of. It's come close. <laughs> yeah, it's come close. A couple teams so we know. Score. Yeah, you're going to score no matter what. Yeah. But you got, you got to play D. If you show up every night and you play defense and you play as a team, um, you're going to be in every game. So I guess if that, if I have to say if that's a flaw, I mean, um, it's just getting them to play 40 minutes of defense every night, be focused every night. And I think that's a, a goal every coach has. Um, so, but, you know, I'm, again, I'm, I'm very happy with the combination of kids we have on the team. They're just a, a tremendous group on and off the floor. And, um, a pleasure to coach. Not, not that we're seven. If we were one and seven, these, these kids are the same type of they're great students and they just work so hard. We should uh, mention that a, a milestone is coming. Um, I, for some reason on my graphic said you're in your 11th season. You're in your 21st, uh, 21st. at Gwen and Mercy. And should you win tomorrow against Stockton, it'll be win number 400. I'm quite sure you're aware of that. It's no surprise. But what does it mean to be that close to that kind of milestone? Well, first, I hope Joe Fussner from Stockton's not listening to this because I don't want to make the game any more than it is. <laughs> um no, I mean, it it is a milestone, and I'm very appreciative that that um, the people in our little community have recognized it. Um, but I, I, I've never made a basket in my 21 years. I haven't made an assist <laughs> or grabbed a rebound. So um, it's one of those things where these milestones, the coaches get all the credit. But I've had tremendous, tremendous assistant coaches, and I've never, ever thought in one any point that they worked for me. We worked together. And I think that's been our, my, our key, that our coaches are like all head coaches on the floor. And in practice, they're involved in everything, and they're the ones who, who help along the way, you know, over the over the years, implement what we're trying to do. And our players have just been—we have the same type of kid. Um, you know, if you had a stereotype, our one of our um our student athletes, you know, they're tough Philly kids. And I'll take a tough Philly kid every day, and you know, you put five and six and seven of those on a team, and you're going to get a good combination of, of players and a good roster. So. Coming up on 400 just means, I guess it just means you've been coaching for a long time. <laughs> well, we weren't going to call you on it, but you know, it is your 21st season after all. Um, there you go. You've been coaching as long as I've been around Division Three, so it uh, makes you feel better. Um, yeah, obviously, you balance this with that being an athletics director as well. And, and I meant to ask you this when I saw you in January, and I, I see a number of coaches who come to those things. I also see a number of coaches who don't to the NCAA convention as athletics director. I don't know if you're planning to go this year and not being in Texas, but how do you balance that, especially when you do have a convention sometimes? Not sometimes. It's always in the middle of the season, but sometimes that you have to go to. Well, I'm lucky enough that our conference, when we make our conference schedule, <clears throat> um, they give us a buy on that Saturday. So we, we'll wind up with a conference game on Wednesday. I'll fly out to the convention early Thursday morning and then return late Saturday night. And then during that time, it's usually our first day of classes, which we'll have off from practice, and then and my assistants will run practice the sat, uh, Friday or Saturday. And then I'll be back Sunday to go, you know, to prepare for our game coming that's, up that Wednesday. That's perfect. So it's, yeah, it's, um, it's challenging, um, I'll be honest with you, and uh, having uh, two small children of my own, a 9-year-old and an 8-year-old, mm -hmm. you know, having a good wife to help out with, all the small details that go into running a family. I mean, yep. if I didn't have her and didn't have my kids, uh, you know, it's to help balance all that out. And I think it'd be difficult, but it's, um, 
it's fun. I enjoy doing both jobs, and, and hopefully I can continue to do it for a while. Well, I'll look forward to seeing you in Texas. Uh, we've been completely remiss not to talk about the CSAC. We should get that in before we let you go. Cabrini obviously was the class of the CSAC the last couple of years. They're coming back to earth just a little bit at 4-4 four and four overall. You guys are on top of the conference technically with the best overall record mm-hmm. at 7-1. and one. Is this a conference race between you two, or is there a sleeper in this conference? Well, we've always been, I mean, we've always been a conference that's been top-heavy. Yes. Um, and Cabrini's overall record does not indicate. No, um, means nothing. And they play, <laughs> yeah, they play some, some very good teams. Yeah. Um, but, no, I mean, you have – Cabrini, who's who's been traditionally good. You have Newman University, who's again their record will not indicate it also. But school, um, teams like Marywood, um, Centenary, I mean, they have good players, and you know, and some of them have some injuries right now. They get together, they can make some runs. Um, I'm not saying they're making it to the final four, but they're tough teams that can compete with anybody on any given night. So, to answer your question, who's CSAC, and you're looking at four or five teams that any team can probably come out and um, get the automatic bid. There are 12 women's schools in the CSAC. Obviously, you do not play a full double round robin set. You Correct. play it a little bit more like what the ODAC does with the off, the a little bit off of that. But has there been talk that maybe we're too big? I mean, I, I'm not to put you on the spot necessarily, but it is an interesting question that people talk about often. Is there a talk of, geez, you know, there's, there's got to be a better way? We're actually in another year. We're going back to divisional format. Okay. And we're going to go back to a north and a south, strictly for balance of schedule. Gotcha. And you'll play everybody in your in your on your side twice, twice and yeah. everybody on the other side once, which will give you 16 conference games. So, I mean, it, it, I guess 10, eight to 10 is probably the perfect number in a conference, depending sure. upon where you're located. But I think what we do right now works for the um, for the schools that we have. Geographically, we're within two, three hours of each other, so yeah. travel's not a big deal. Um, no, it's a, right now, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any move afoot to change anything one way or the other in our conference. Very interesting. Just kind of curious. It's always interesting when yeah. you have a conference that also has more women because of women's schools like Notre Dame and and mm-hmm. uh, and others, whereas Centenary, Centenary. Uh, Cedar Crest. Cedar, Cedar yeah, Crest. I was going to say yeah. not Centenary, but Cedar Crest. Not Centenary, Cedar, Crest. <laughs> Cedar Crest, certainly, and others. So just was kind of mm-hmm. curious. Well, I got to let you go because I'm sure you got better things to do. I know you said you just had a holiday party with the team, and I'm sure um, yep. uh, you'd love to get on to what other, other things you need to do. And I know I'll catch up to you soon enough. But as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I mean, just have a great holiday season, everybody out there. Be safe. Um, I know um, we have a lot of downtime. A lot of coaches are going to go out on the road recruiting those, you know, week or two that they're off. So everybody be safe on the road, and I'm wishing everybody's family a great holiday. Very good, sir. Well said. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself as well. Good luck on the win number 400, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, buddy. Take care, Dave. Thank you. You too. Keith Mondillo joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Again, um, they have Stockton tomorrow. Could be win number 400 for Coach should they get that victory. Uh, they then take a two weeks off and will play Kings and Catholic at Catholic in a classic. We should mention Stockton's 5-2. and two. Remember, made the NCAA tournament, so that's not exactly uh, an easy game. We don't want to assume anything, but good luck to Coach. Nonetheless, we're a little bit behind schedule. We want to keep things going. Uh, Jay, I I apologize, didn't get a chance to ask Coach the question regarding the rules, uh, but I will follow up with him some other time and get back to you on that one. Um, We're going to take a break. When we come back, switch gears, talk men's basketball. We're going to jump up to Rhode Island 
and talk to a school certainly well known for its culinary arts, but right now its men's basketball team is getting some headlines. We're going to talk to uh, um, Jamie <laughs> Bedford. Sorry, complete brain brain freeze there. Talk to him about his team and and the uh, Wildcats of Johnson and Wales. If you're listening to Hoopsville, you want to interact with us, join us on Hoopsville at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. More Hoopsville right after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division three schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division three. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division three athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Justin's Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. And the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. If you've got questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Once again, a reminder, this is uh, we will not have a Thursday show due to football commitments uh, and whatnot. Um, we will be back on the air a week from tonight for the final uh, show before the holiday break. So one more show before the holidays, then we'll take a break. Um, due to the holidays, due to the Hoopsville Classic, et cetera, et cetera. We'll be back on the air in January. But just a reminder, no Thursday show coming up. Going to switch gears now, go into men's basketball. We're going to go up into the Northeast region. There's always plenty to talk about in the Northeast region. Uh, it's really a matter of who do you pick and when do you pick them. We could always go to the Nest Gack and talk to a team there. Could always go to the ne New Mac and talk to a team there as well. It's it's more about finding teams, especially this time of year, that maybe are getting some uh, headlines for when they don't normally, or maybe they're flying under the radar. I think this one's a combination of both. Johnson and Wales in the GNAC has certainly been part of the conversation the last few years. Uh, probably Albertus Magnus's biggest foe. With Albertus Magnus kind of coming back to the fold a little bit, the Wildcats are off to a pretty darn good start this season. So we figured about high time we go talk to their head coach. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Jamie Benton. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Off to an 8-1 and start overall, 3-0 and in conference. Your one lone loss was the beginning of the season 
when you guys lost to Linfield out at Lewis and Clark, uh, you ended up playing two games out there, beating Lewis and Clark the next night. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to suspect I wouldn't be surprised if a little jet lag or or at least adjustment to the West Coast may have played a factor in that first one. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely uh, some jet lag in there, and you know I think our guys were lagging a little bit. But I, you know, take nothing away from Linfield. Sure. Uh, they they were pretty good. I mean, they were they were making shots. They were. Uh, you know, hitting threes all night. We just, we really couldn't adjust. We really thought um, and really believed that if you look at it on tape, um, Lewis and Clark was just, they, I mean, they were a better team. So that was one that definitely got away from us. Um, I think with our first game and just trying to just gel defensively, and I, I really think that loss actually, you know, if you look at it in hindsight, it actually helped us. Um, I, I, I think it really brought us together within 24 hours and going into that very next game. And, we, we you know, we just know what we can do, what our capability is defensively. And it and it, it was a, it was an eye-opener for us. I was going to say, it almost maybe woke you guys up a little bit, uh, I would suspect. A lot of teams will say yeah. that after game one. Mm-hmm. Well, you know... You know, there's an expectation from you know from the guys as well. I mean, they, you know, we have some senior, we got a senior, you know, base group of guys, and there's a high expectation from those guys. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they planned on losing their first game out. So <laughs> I, I, I think it, that game really brought us together. And um, you know, so we just kind of been rolling from there. And just you know, the, the the goal was to continue to get better every day. What drew you to the West Coast to start the season? That's not a trip normally we see from a school like yourself. Right. Well, we, like I, like I mentioned earlier, we were looking to you know kind of, we 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 really think this team can you know can get to the NCAA team. So we wanted to see different looks. Um, where so you can go into the tournament, you know, you know we 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 haven't been ranked, and you just never know where you may go. So we wanted to see different competition. If you look at the schedule, we went we said well, let's go west and play competitive teams that will get us ready. And then we came right back and went down to Ramapo yep. and had an opportunity to play East Con there. And I think they were ranked 14th. And we we came right back and we were playing extremely well defensively and clicking. And that was, you know, our third game. So that that was the whole goal as, as far as going west and coming back and getting into some tournaments and just trying to play some different competition that will prepare us at the end of this thing. Sure. So, Go West, yeah. young man. Go West. I can totally, right. completely get it. And, yeah, East Con, uh, Eastern Connecticut, when that was the one that kind of jumped up on my radar uh, mm-hmm. early in the season, and it was a convincing mm-hmm. win by 13. It went on to beat mm-hmm. Purchase in Mount Ida, Suffolk, Rhode Island College, Riviere, and Elms. You're obviously on that eight-game winning streak as we speak. Um, right. uh, an interesting mix of teams that, A, you would expect better outcomes from, uh, Eastern Connecticut's got a few extra losses than I think people expected. I don't think anybody expected a one-win Rhode Island college. Um, but mm-hmm. but you're taking advantage of the situation, and, and you seem to be playing pretty darn well. Well, yeah, we we we're definitely we you know we we try to worry about anybody else, and um, we're definitely. Definitely taking advantage of the situation. We, you know, we're really, you know, we. I, I told these guys at the beginning of the year that we would score the ball. Let's focus defensively. So that was our goal. So obviously, the first night out, we didn't reach that goal. You know, so, and if I if I go back, I want to say it was they may have they may have we may have given up fourteen threes in that first game. It was somewhere in that ball. It was somewhere in that ballpark. So once we start to focus, what we could do defensively, everything has kind of just been taking care of itself. I'm um, talking to Jamie Benton here, Johnson and Wales head coach. 
Uh, again, team off to an 8-1 and one start, 3-0 and in conference. And I think the conference record is certainly the most um, significant, that you're off onto a good start here. You've beaten Monida mm-hmm. uh, and Suffolk and Riviere. Monida um, certainly gave you a scare. You only beat him by a point. Uh, you yeah. rolled over Suffolk and rolled over Riviere. It was that was that Mount Ida game almost also another wake up call to the team. I I, I believe so. I, I really believe so. You know, we did have a we did have a layover, yeah. and I think our guys, you know, we we've kind of gone in and and jumped on Mount Ida the last few years, and I just think our guys just kind of went in. Uh, they you know they were extremely high coming back from that tournament and and, and beating Purchase and and definitely beating Eastcon. And I think we, we we weren't as focused, and you know, it, it, you know, when you're on the road, anything can ha- you know anything can happen at any given night. And I really, really believe that that w- that was a wake up call, and our guys saw now it's the lowest the bar could have been. And when we get on the bus, Suffolk is actually playing Alberta's to a to a similar game, and they're watching the game streaming it on the bus and. We get back and we jump on it defensively, what we need to do. And because I really thought Suffolk was going to come in with a lot of confidence. They they did lose that game. Uh, they did lose that game down the stretch. But I think it was like seven. At one point it was a three-point game, one-point game. I said, wow, are they going to really lose here? Yeah. And um, our guys re- re- responded to the challenge and just woke them up. We were, we were just clicking on all cylinders. I mean, um, which 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 drive, can drive you crazy as a coach because two nights ago you're struggling against Mount Ida, and then you come back and you're up fifty. Yeah. And um, so I just told the guys, I I always say I'm raising the bar. <laughs> the bar is you're not even going to be able to reach it now, you know. So because this is what your capability is, yeah. and you know, so I you know I I I really think you know the answer to the question that was a wake up call for us. Yeah, certainly uh, helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. to be yeah. able to raise the bar constantly through the season and keep your guys kind of on their toes, uh, and right. for lack of a better description, let's talk about this conference. Listen, it's been mm-hmm. dominated by Albertus Magnus in yeah. recent history, and certainly you have given them uh, some of their best foils. So so has so has St. Joe's of Maine and some others. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you lost to them in the in the conference title game last season. You've kind of been in that boat with them the mm-hmm. last few years, except this year the coaches think you guys overwhelmingly will win the conference. And Albertus Magnus, while in a rebuilding, also seem to have reloaded in some cases. How do you how do you see this conference shaping up? Is this yours to win, or is this going to be maybe a little bit harder fought than everybody thinks it will be? You know, I. I... Yeah, I don't buy into that. You know, Alberta State, they they have the history of winning. They have the tradition. So, you know, I really don't buy into uh, what what our rating is and that they're picking us to win. You know, I'm I'm just a realist in that. You have to go out every single night and you have to perform. I think Mount Ida game is a a prime example of that, uh, where that game, you know, I I, I just believe in our conference, you know, you know we're we're good. I'm not going to say we're we're not we're not good, but I just think we have to go out and we just have to keep our focus and continue to work every single night. And I I really think it's our conference to throw it away. And but I know Alberta is going to be good, so um, I just think that may be their way of being an underdog right now. And it's always good to be under the radar. Um, but I know that Mitch's uh, expectations is to, you know, win it again as well. So, 
you know, we just have to continue to do what we do every single day and focus, you know, and practice and continue to be ready because we know that they're going to come and, and they're going to they're going to bring their best their best game that night. So, um, this conference is certainly going to be interesting. It's come a long yeah. way, that is for right. sure. It's tough to right. get a second bid out of this conference, so you right. kind of know it's win or go home scenario here. So right. how do you how do you remind your team that every game is important and then you guys have got to put this resume together correctly? Well, well, I mean that's very easy. Um because like it's like you said earlier, you know, we we've, we've been battling with these guys the last 4 years and you know, I think we won it 4 years ago and these guys, these senior group guys have been you know, been losing to Alberta, you know, the last I don't I don't I mm. I don't think we've beaten them. I don't think this group has beaten them. Uh, and the three, we have played some close games. Yeah. Uh, I know like, last year we was at the buzzer. You know, the first two conference games were, you know, one was in overtime and then one was right at the buzzer. We had the last possession. It was a steal, throws the left of the court. Kid catches in mid-end, throws it in. And it was kind of like, what happened? We, You know, what happened was we lost the game and then we play them again in the championship. So... I, I don't have to. Re- I really don't have to remind these guys. I think they're really self-motivated. Um, we're, we're, we're presenting a challenge to these guys every single day, and they know that um, Albertus is not going to. They're, they're not going to lay over. But the conference, the conference has definitely, you know, gotten to another height. I know Albertus has been playing extremely well over the last few years, but I think a lot of the teams are getting better as well. I, you know, I think Emmanuel's really good this year. Anne Marie is always, you know, they always give their best fight. We were playing extremely well uh, last year, and I and I believe uh, Anne Marie beat us at home last year, and then we turned around and went there, and I told the guys that we're probably going to beat them by 30. <laughs> and But, you know, but that's what can happen, yeah. and I think we went there that night, and we, we might have won by 50. And I was that was probably one of the games that really uh, drove me. We we still we still end up managing to get the two seed, but I don't have to remind our guys uh, at all because you know they 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 haven't won one. Yeah. And Albertus is and and, and and I don't think they're taking this for granted here. So I think we're, we we always uh, say this every single day. Let's be about our business. Let's be about our business. Let's be about our business. And our guys are they're doing just that. So. Um, they're not a team that looks to celebrate. They they know what the journey is because they've been there. And Albertus has taken it right from, right out of their hands, you know. So uh, they're focused. You got yeah. a two winning, uh, two twenty plus winning seasons the last two years. Three in the mm-hmm. last five. Obviously mm-hmm. headed in that direction again this year. But what's different mm-hmm. about this team? Obviously, you have six seniors on this squad. But mm-hmm. what's different about this year's squad than the than the previous few? Well, you know, I well. Like you said, so other than you know the senior, you know senior the camaraderie and then, and then you know all those things working together, you know I just think it's a you know a few additions. I, well, the main addition is the point guard Anthony Jernigan. I really think that he has taken his team to the next step. I thought we would win twenty games without him, but with a kid, I mean with without him, but I I just think that he takes us over that hump. Um, you know if you if you look at him, he's I think he's maybe averaging five or six assists. A game, and um, you know we have our point guard back from last year, and I'm I'm kind of playing him at the two, okay. and but the kid Jernigan is just you know on, hands down is just a guy who can just find people, and he has a great poise about him, 
And I really think that he's the difference. And, you know, Garrick and Greenaway are going, we're going to score anyway, but I, I, I think he's making the game a lot easier for him. Uh, you mentioned Jernigan. Let's talk about the rest of that team specifically. Corey Greenaway yeah. leading the team, the senior, 26 points a game for lack of mm-hmm. uh, to round up slightly, hauling in over seven rebounds a game, handing out two and a half assists a game, getting nearly two mm-hmm. steals a game. Tom Garrick, also a senior, 21.2 points a game, nearly six rebounds a game, nearly two assists a game himself. Uh, Clayton Roke, uh, Roker, the, the senior as well, 10 points a game. Uh, pulling down uh, two and a half rebounds a game. Certainly the assist man as well with two. No, you mentioned Jernigan. Uh, he's still putting up nine points a game, four assists a game. Of course, mm-hmm. he's the junior on this squad. Um, mm-hmm. and, but those, it's kind of that foursome. And then you have a lot of other players who kind of fill in the fifth guy. Yeah, we we do. We're we're, we're extremely deep. Um, we 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 we, you know, we have the kid Mike Clark who can come off the bench and provide some defense for us. We 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 just we 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 just uh, we have Matt Medoyan who, who's a freshman who's who's capable. I think he's capable of being being the starter. You know, I, I think we can go ten guys deep, and um, I think we can go at least ten guys deep if we had to. And our, our practices are pretty competitive, and that's mm-hmm. that's one thing that I think is what makes our guys better. But when you have a guy like Corey Greenaway, who is our best player, but comes to practice. And is in here working on his game every single day. I mean, those guys have no choice but to follow. So when your best when your best player is providing the best leadership on and off the floor, uh, in practice and in games, we can only go up. So nobody can you know really afford to take 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 a night off. But I do think we're extremely deep. I was going to say you've played uh, six guys in every single game. You've played mm-hmm. uh, I think it's eleven in at least six of your games, uh, or seven of your games, and, and another two in six, and then you've played uh, you know, 14 guys so far this season mm-hmm. overall. Granted, injuries can play a role in that mm-hmm. as well. But, yeah, it definitely seems like your bench is deeper than in years past. Mm-hmm. Well, last night I didn't. You know, we, we, we really felt, though, we wanted to send a message to some of those younger guys you know, about this journey. We thought some of those guys were becoming a little uh, content and um, not as focused as those seven. So we really tried to send a message uh, yesterday's game. Uh, we could use you. But you 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 have to do X Y and Z, uh, and, and we really believe that those guys are gonna those are, those are the guys that are gonna make us better every day. Yeah, those they you know your your practice guys have to come to compete every single day in order to make you better. And um, so they they those guys you know they kind of took a couple days off mentally, and um, we just kind of sent the message yesterday yesterday's game. Yeah, yeah. That game against Elms was a ninety-eight seventy-eight win. You've yeah. got a game coming up on Monday against NAIA Fisher. Yeah. Um, I assuming tonight's practice and uh, that game are going to be whether are going to be pretty good telltale signs of whether that message was received. Right now, we kind of think Fisher plays exactly like Elm. They're they're, they're very athletic. They both uh, both teams have a kid who can score. Um, you know they had the kid Buchanan uh, Elms. He he was averaging 25, and I think he had 26. Um, I didn't think either team played really good defense. I think we shot 74 percent in the first half, and they shot 50 something percent. So we didn't come out and play our defense, hmm. and we really thought we were a better team. And I said these guys just wanted to just go up and down. Fisher kind of is is exactly the same. You just never know with NAIA schools. Yeah. 
you know, what they're going to have. But, you know, we do have a little bit of tape on them. They're, they're, we think they're more athletic, not as disciplined as we are defensively. Um, but, you know, uh, they're going to look to come and just outscore you. And that's 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 it. So I, I, I think the Elms game may help us. You're outscoring your opponents 86 to 68, essentially, 85.9 mm-hmm. to 68.3. Mm-hmm. That's certainly a nice advantage. But once you get done with this Fisher game, obviously non-Division three NAI mm-hmm. tomorrow, Monday, you guys mm-hmm. have more than three weeks off before you right. get back in action, and it's in conference play, and it's against a, a thorn-in-the-side type team like St. Joseph's out of Maine. Yeah. How do you get the guys? I mean, listen, this will be a great finish. Even if a loss to Fisher, you're still eight and two, eight and one mm-hmm. in, the, in Division three. That's a terrific start to the season. Mm-hmm. How do you got, keep the guys focused on that task after a long break and getting into action and not getting into action against a warm up? You're getting into action in very meaningful conference games. Well, you know, the good thing about you know that layover, I think the only one good thing is that we're we will be at home for that game, right? Um, we, you know, we'll finish up on Monday game wise, but we we won't let, let our guy. We'll keep him as long as we can. I was talking to the Elms coach. He said his guys were done yesterday, hmm. and that was it. I think they have exams, but they're not allowed to practice. Uh, I, I just think this is a situation where we're fortunate. Um, so I'll keep my guys until Sunday, and we'll practice. We'll give them we'll give them Tuesday off, but we'll go and we'll try to get as much run and try to keep it exciting as we possibly can. But then we'll bring them back on the 29th, um, so which is good for us. So we're we're able to bring them back a few days early. And Elms coach was telling me that they those guys can't come back until uh, the first. And I said, wow, you know. So I thought we had it bad, and um, <laughs> he actually had it worse. So at least, so at least I get, I, you know, I'm able to get, you know, nine to ten of those days. I know it's three weeks. It looks like three weeks on paper, but we're able to get some legs. Right. And I just tell him, I said, you know, I, I stress how important uh, the season is and where we are. And this is what I say every year. Go home, run a half mile out. I'm not asking you to run five miles. I'm asking you to run a half mile out, and then you just run back home. And that's a mile. You do a mile a day, and I think it will keep your legs and keep your, sure. you know, your your lungs open. But if you go home and, you know, this this – Day and age with these the young young the young guys, you know they're playing Xbox and <laughs> sitting home and playing more Xbox and more Xbox and so you know we just got stress and I, I just think this group, I just really think this group is, you know going going go, going to go home and take care of their business and I think we'll be fine. You played at Boston College for four years, yeah. a standout at Boston College for four years. You Thank then you. went on to play some pro basketball. How Thank much you. can you take from that D1 experience and that pro experience and bring down to Division Three? You know, you know a lot. You know, um, and I think every coach, your 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 experience, um, you you bring a lot of your experiences with you, no matter where you go. I mean, that's part of my coach style. I try to share. You know, the work. You know. Unfortunately for us, we didn't we we didn't get a day off, you know. When I was <laughs> so it was it was either you practice Thanksgiving morning or yeah. Thanksgiving night, yeah. Christmas morning or Christmas night. There was no such thing as a day off. It was just didn't happen, you know. So um, Sundays, you know, now you had to take one day off. There was no days off. It was uh, 
So, you know, but I, I, I do bring a lot of my experience. You know, I, I, I try to bring the focus and how you had the focus or the mental toughness because it doesn't matter what level you are. You're, you're a basketball player. So it doesn't matter if it's one, two, or three. You know, other than the talent is obviously going to be different. But, you know, the game and the integrity of the game, you know, remains the same on yeah. every level. And I just think that you have to focus and you have to approach it the same way as 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 any athlete would. And I I usually use every sport. I said it doesn't matter what sport it is. If you want to compete, you know, at division one, two and three, there's only going to be at the end of the year six winners. There's gonna be men's and women one, yeah. men's and women two, men's and women three. Yeah. So you, we wanna be one of those teams that are given everything they have to be as successful as we can during the course of the year. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. sure playing with Jim O'Brien was fun. Uh, well, and, well, 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 I played for Gary Williams as well. Oh, that's true. I forgot so I about that. For both of them, and Gary was tough. So oh, he's Jim O'Brien was tough, but I, I think uh, Gary prepared me, so I have to thank him for that. Prepared oh. me for Jim O'Brien, who's a lot. He wasn't. He wasn't. Um, Gary. I mean, Jim was more of a players' coach, uh, and Gary was just more just. But they both were tough coaches. Yeah. Um, Make no mistake about that, but I just think, you know, when you play for a guy for two years and you get somebody like Jim O'Brien, it was like, oh, you 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 kind of could take a breath. You know? so, <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. I covered Gary uh, when he was at Maryland when I was in the TV oh, biz. He was okay. an intense guy. He an was intense. intense. Guy. I yeah. mean, practices were intense. He was intense when he walked through the airport. He was intense yes. when he was eating. He was just. <laughs> Yes. He's, he's a tough cookie. By the way, know. the other thing yeah. about Gary is he's much taller than people think he is. Right. He right. seems short on television. He is not short. Right. right. No, he well, he was division one guard, so yep. he was you know, he had that so he brought that every single sure. day. But Jim O'Brien brought it as well, you know, him being a uh great college player and, and a professional player, so um they they were different, but they sure. both were extremely tough coaches, and I learned a lot from both of them. So uh, you're on a campus yeah. that is pretty well known for its culinary arts. Uh, yeah. There's a couple famous chefs who have come out of Johnson and Wales on the Rhode Island campus. Yeah. You yeah. must get some pretty good meals there. We do. I mean, uh, <laughs> and 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 it's, and it's all the time, so you got to yeah. be careful, you know. So so needless to say, I'm not at my playing weight. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not that surprised. I'm not yeah, that yeah. no. Yeah, and I'm sure your players. It's it's probably tough for them to keep the weight off too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I we do that. You know, we do <laughs> yeah. that form. You know, we do that form. But I still do shoot it though. I still you still, I still got the shoot. shot. Well, one thing I still have the shot. Oh, that's good. Um, you, I have your email address, right? Correct? You do. You should. I'm yes. A, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna send you. I got my manager there. I'm gonna have him send you a clip of that. All right. So I still shoot it. I still enjoy your but I think you'll get a kick out of that. I, I want to see it. I'll look yeah. forward to seeing it. Well, coach, I took a good chunk of your time. I appreciate okay. it. Love chatting to you about your team. I mean, great to be talking about uh, the Wildcats and yeah. see, seeing where you are. Obviously, a lot to a lot left in this season, but a great start. And I appreciate that. As always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I well, I just think this year with the you know the Johnson and Wales uh, Wildcats and the and the support you know throughout the university, all those things is going to matter for us coming down the stretch. So it's not just the team, you know. We really get a good. Uh, I'd love to shout out the you know the, the student body and the fans as well, and shout out the whole university because they really are behind us here. And um, 
we're just looking to make a run at this thing. And I think that, you know, I really think we're a team who gets in the tournament will surprise some people when we get out. And I, I think our play will. And that's the other thing is we'll, we kind of reflect a little bit of that Gary Williams running style and, it's a little combo of a little bit of everybody I've probably seen in the Big East that was up and down for some Patino in there as well. So we, 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 we think we present some problems moving forward. We look, we look forward to the second half of, of the season. Well, we're looking forward to it as well. Thanks so much yeah. for taking the time, and we'll look forward to uh, watching the Wildcats the rest of the way. All right, thank you. You have a nice holiday as well. You do the same, Coach. Okay, yep, thank you. Jamie Benton joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Again, off to an 8-1 start. They'll play NAI Fisher coming up on Monday. Then they take about a three-week break between games, St. Joseph's of Maine. They'll go four straight home games to start the uh, the conference, restart the conference schedule. The last of those four, January 13th, against Albertus Magnus. Big game on the schedule. When we come back, we'll go from Rhode Island to Virginia. We're going to go down to Salem. Not to preview the football cha- championships, but talk basketball with Paige Moyer. They're not running the Grinnell system, but what are they running? Six out of eight games over 100 points. The old Stallworth, Paige Moore, joins me here on Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com, the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville right after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation not merely to work towards a personal best in the classroom or in the sport we love but rather an obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. For Special Olympics athletes, victory belongs not only to those who first cross the line, but to all of those who compete and endure. They are challenged in ways we cannot imagine. They are survivors who test themselves harder and with greater joy than we will ever know. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn, as we all do, that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Sport ennobles us, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. And welcome back to Hoops, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. I want to thank uh, our guest from Johnson & Wales, Jamie Benton, for joining us on the show. Certainly worth watching the Wildcats this season. 
Um, their game against uh, Albertus Magnus Circle it now, January 13th. Of course, on the road as Johnson Wales will play uh, their first four games in conference once they get back um, from the break uh, on the road. But that's going to be a big game. Of course, that means Albertus Magnus is going to have to return and go to Providence at some point. Um, those games are going to be worth watching, to be sure. If you want to interact with us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Real quick note before we get to our next guest. Saw an interesting point. Earlier in the show, if you heard me, I said Ohio Wesleyan lost to Hiram, scratching my head. What? Didn't make any sense. Lost by two. Interesting tweet I saw on on Twitter from Scott said, if Hiram had beaten Allegheny, their win over Ohio Wesleyan would be less surprising. The talk would be Hiram's 6-0 D3 record. Fair point. Very fair point. Hiram is off to a 6-0 start. But still, it's not a game I would have put down as Ohio Wesleyan losing. I mean, they played Worcester recently. That would have been the game. I could conceivably see that happening, though Worcester is not nearly as good as they have been in the past. Don't get me wrong. But that's kind of where I would have gone with that. So... Um, interesting to say the least. We'll keep an eye on Hiram. They may be on the show if they keep this up. By the way, I, I mentioned Wheaton um, losing a game earlier. This I forgot to mention Alma beat Wheaton. If you remember our conversations we've had uh, in the MIAA, and especially when we talked to um, Hope's coach, Greg Mitchell, he talked about Alma. He talked about them being a dangerous team. They dismantled Wheaton. That was the game I was actually referring to when I said Wheaton fans weren't all that thrilled. It wasn't the game actually we mentioned. It was the Alma game and uh, all over them. Alma won 79-65. So keep an eye on Alma coming out of the MIAA as well. Now time to get to our next segment. Uh, I'm talking about a team that's come out of nowhere um, and I swear they've changed things. I'm going to have to find the tweet or the message I said to this coach asking him what in the world was going on because it, it wasn't adding up for the coach I know. Well, his name's Paige Moyer. He's Roanoke's head coach. He's also part of the NABC board, and Paige joins me on the Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Hey, great to be here. Following a good man, Jamie Benton, and uh, a <laughs> pleasure being back on your show. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, I'm trying to find um, the message I sent you. Um, uh, it was one of those, what are you doings? Yeah. Um, I, I don't remember when it was, sadly enough. It's in here somewhere. I know that much. You had messaged me earlier in the year to mention that you'd beaten a D1, and I gave you enough credit or a hard time there to say, hey, you didn't count it as a real game, darn it. But here's the message. said, are you running some kind of Grinnell-like system all of a sudden? The only games you haven't had 100 points was Dallas and that exhibition D1 game. Your response, I can't explain. What are you guys doing in Roanoke? Well, it's uh, it's funny. I was real good friends with a guy named Duger Bauckham, who's at VMI. He's now at Citadel. And about four years ago, I came across West Liberty University, just looking at the statistics. And they run something similar to Grinnell, but they're always in the Elite Eight. I mean, they win 25 and 30 games a year with it, and they're still scoring 100 and some points. Uh, it's definitely Grinnell-based, uh, but it's run a little differently. You don't really go all out on defense. You don't sub every minute like Grinnell does in the system. And Grinnell, I studied that. My old friend Bob Johnson, the late Bob Johnson, uh, we came across Grinnell kind of at the same time together in the mid-'90s. And we were a great trivia question here. We we held the record for points by two teams in the 96 NCAA. We beat Shenandoah 128-110. to huh. That was the most points by two teams in an NCAA tournament game, uh, and the record lasted two hours. <laughs> 
and, and Grinnell blew it out of the water a couple of hours later. They, they won in that game like 132 to 120 or something that night. I forget what their score was, but I knew we had an NCAA record for two hours. Well, there and, you uh, go. I came across Grinnell right then, and I started talking to Bob Johnson about it, and Bob once he got in the latter stages of his career in the mid-2000s, uh, he was always an up-tempo guy anyway. I've always liked up-tempo. We've more times than not been a high-scoring team as much as we could. And, uh, you know, Bob found it. It just fit his personality so well. He went with a full Grinnell. I've gone with kind of a hybrid Grinnell. Uh, but I'd, I'd probably call it more West Liberty VMI because I took more of more of the conversations I've had with those two coaches that uh, at those two places. So you're playing a tad bit more defense. Uh, than yeah. Grinnell. Grinnell tends to, to kind of give up the shot so they can get the ball back mentality, so they don't really focus on the defensive end of things. You're, so you're playing more defense. You're subbing less. I watched your uh, – during Hoopsville, I watched the end of your regulation uh, – your game against Shenandoah, which went double overtime. I watched it on one of the screens in front of me. Um, I don't see it, the Grinnell system, obviously. Um, but that game was kind of low scoring by what you've done so far this season until it went into overtime. So – what other nuances about it are besides playing more defense and, and not subbing? What are the other little tiny nuances that maybe someone can appreciate what you're doing? Sure. Well, starting three years ago, uh, I decided not to recruit anybody who uh, could not handle the ball and shoot threes. And uh, we only have one kid in our program who we wouldn't want to shoot a three. And he's, he's a big <laughs> kid who's very athletic. So he fits us defensively, what we're going to try to do defensively. But we recruited, if you couldn't shoot a three, we weren't going to recruit you. And uh, basically, every kid I'm putting on the court, uh, you know, we're playing 10, 11 kids a game. Uh, more than Everybody's playing more than six minutes down to my like, 12th guy. Uh, they, they can shoot open. If they get an open three, they're supposed to shoot it. And, uh, you know, we're not shooting like 50 half our shots from threes like you might in the Grinnell, but probably 38% of our, our shots are threes. We're shooting 42% from three, and that's probably the key stat. And the Shenandoah game was our worst game by far. We had hit over 11 threes in every game uh, going into the Shenandoah game, and we only hit six that night. They played good defense, and we didn't. We, we came out 0 for 7 to start with, and that we had not done that, but I knew that was going to come too. Uh, but. Yeah, we recruited to what we're trying to do now. We recruited. We want our big men. We'll give up a couple of inches, and it can be a little quicker, faster, so we can uh, press. And so we are getting after full court to create up tempo. So what's what? It's interesting is listen. I've seen your team for a number of years, and I certainly knew you guys like to shoot the three. But I think this is the first year I'm really noticing it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So why is it working this year versus last year at ten and sixteen and other years? where I certainly didn't see these high-scoring affairs, and I certainly didn't think the system was in place. I thought you might have been doing something else. What's different this year? Well, we're pressing full court all the time. I mean, we're picking up full court uh, at least 30 to 40 minutes and then use a variety of pressure just to create up-tempo to try to tie our teams out and use our bench. Uh, secondly, we, we have just recruited kids that can shoot threes. And I think, you know, last year we had a really good big kid, Daniel Eco, and had another good big mm -hmm. kid, Alex Wheaton, two seniors. And we ran our offense through those two guys. Uh, I think that really hurt some of the kids that could shoot threes for us because, you know, John Fitchett gets an open shot and it's, oh, man, i gotta, I got to throw the ball to Dan first. You know, I shouldn't take this one because it's early in the shot clock and we got to go through Dan and give him a shot first, see if we can get a look out of the post. And this year it's not – the guys know if they're open in transition, they need to shoot it. And, uh, and, and we're probably – you know, we're getting a majority of our shots off in less than 10 seconds, mm -hmm. but we'll go 25 seconds on the shot clock too. We'll play some zone defense. I mean, if, if a team uh, – 
you know, is really getting to the hoop on us to score, and we're going to change our defenses up and mix it up. And we don't mind if if the shot clock does go 20 and 25 seconds on both ends of the court. Um, but I have recruited some kids to shoot the ball really well. I think it shows that you know I've got one kid shooting 58 percent, one shooting yeah, uh, two shooting 58 percent. Cameron Smith, my five man, shooting 41 percent. Uh, you know, we've got. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys shooting better than forty yeah. percent from three. I was going to say that was kind of where I was transitioning here. You've got the same stats in front of you that I've got. Um, John Fritchett, uh, Fitchett is leading the team at eighteen and a half points a game. Um, he's shooting fifty eight percent from outside, seven for twelve, sixty three percent overall. Uh, Joey Miller, uh, second on the team, sixteen and a half points a game. He's shooting fifty eight percent from outside and fifty six percent from the floor. Um, Cameron Smith, 13.5 points. John Caldwell, 12.5 points. Justin Hassel, 12.5 uh, points a game. No one shoots worse than 41% in that group. Um, your worst shooter is technically Carter Wright at 32%, uh, and anybody would pay for a 32% shooter um, for outside. He's 12 of 37, and he shoots 36% plus from the floor. Your rebounding numbers aren't, you know, off the wall crazy. I mean, John Caldwell's got eight rebounds. Cameron Smith, six and a half, five for John Fritchett. But that's also because I suspect it's whoever ends up inside is going for the rebound. You're not, because you're not going into a true half style set, it's not like you're making sure certain guys are on the inside when shots are taken. Right. You've got that exactly right. Uh, and we do need to get the offensive glass a little bit better. We work hard on our guys. You know, running from the three-point line. Like if Cameron's got a three-point line, we still want two guys to attack the glass because uh, we we don't mind if teams get fast break opportunities on us because we, yeah we're gonna have two guys back, but we want to we want to keep tempo. We want to keep the ball going up and down the court to hopefully uh, take take depth where depth where depth becomes a key factor in the game. That's so I, us. well, so obviously it's working early on. Um, you're off to this seven and one start. Um, your only loss being to Lebanon Valley at the very beginning of the season in a one hundred one ninety eight affair, um, yep. and then you've run you know you've run through your competition since then. You rolled all, all over Rutgers, Camden, Dal- University of Dallas didn't stand a chance. St. Joseph Brooklyn certainly gave you an interesting game one hundred five ninety four. Um, you, you smoked Penn State, New Kensington, Mount Oleosis. Uh, you beat by twenty. Uh, 22 Eastern Mennonite you you beat by 12 and then Shenandoah we had that double overtime game but again 108 97 so you've gotten a couple of games out of conference you've gotten some games in conference this is certainly working you got Frostburg State coming up on the 20th but let's be honest you haven't really taken on the really big challenge yet you haven't taken on the Virginia Wesleyans you haven't taken on you know some of the other beasts in the conference they're looming Yes. But it's got to feel good to get this underway before they come. Well, it, it does, and but we do think we we took a challenge, even though it was an exhibition for us. It was a real game for North Carolina and T, and we're not going to play anybody more athletic than they are, bigger yeah. than they are. So we, that gave us a lot of confidence. You know, it was an exhibition game; it doesn't show up on yeah. our record. Going down and beating a D one in their first. That was their first regular season home game. Gave us a lot of confidence, and I think it gave our guys a tremendous amount of confidence in what we're trying to do offensively. And, uh, you know, we, we do have a lot looming. It's funny, when you look at the ODAC statistics right now, I guess by winning percentage, Randolph-Megan's at the bottom. Now, he has played a unbelievable schedule. Josh Merkel's going to win games there, and he's got the talent to win games this year. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a great year in the ODAC. I think uh, Virginia Wesleyan, if you're going to win a championship in the ODAC, you're going to go through Virginia Wesleyan to get there. Everybody knows that. But uh, there are a lot of good teams in our league, and uh, it's really going to be interesting when we get into the league, and hopefully we're going to provide some uh, 
interesting nights for other teams in our league as well. I mentioned six of eight games scoring 100. I'm actually incorrect there. I just know about that exhibition game, and I keep having that number in my head. That was below 100, though you put 90 up. It's really you've scored seven out of your official eight games. You've scored over 100 points. Um, the only one you didn't. Yep. I'm sorry, no, that's not true, because Lebanon Valley, you actually Lebanon, lost, so it was 98. Three. So, yeah, I keep... We blew a, a six-point lead that game in the yeah. last two minutes. So too. I was right in the first place. I should just ignore yep. myself. Um, but then here's the thing. You do have Frostburg State coming up in a week. You'll play them a week from tonight. Uh, you haven't played since yes, uh, since Thursday. Uh, and then you'll have Kenyon on the other side in non-conference play before you get back into conference action. You know, you have your own tournament at the beginning of the season, and I'm kind of used to you, I thought, normally don't you do a little bit more at Christmas time? It depends on the year. Okay. Uh, yeah, last year was Daytona Beach. About every other year, we take a nice trip. And we try to go somewhere. Over the years, we've been to Phoenix, Orlando. Uh, we will come to Baltimore, D.C. Uh, every now and then. Went to Cleveland a few years back. We played up at Harvard, San Antonio. Twenty-seven years it adds up. So we've been to a lot of good places. But uh, every other year, we don't take a trip like that because of the financial uh, restraints that, sure. that you have at Division Three. And this year we had Frostburg State game. On the other end of that, we always have a New Year's tournament. I created that New Year's tournament 25 years ago. So we would have two non-league games coming off the break to get prepared for league play again. Do, so you do have – oh, so you got another game here we're not necessarily seeing on the schedule then. No, no, I got Frostburg, then I got Kenyon, and that's the tournament, January 2nd Okay, and 3rd. see, I'm looking at our D3 hoops. Gotcha. And for obvious reasons, it's yep. not sitting there. Um, yep. because it's a game that to be decided. So thank you. you got another game there before you'll get again in sure. on Washington and Lee. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm used to, again, I'm used to you doing certain things, and this one's just kind of caught me off guard. But let's talk about this team's makeup. Um, you know, we talk about all the scores. You certainly have your fair share of seniors on the squad, but you've got a lot of underclassmen, a lot of sophomores, a lot of freshmen. We do. We only have one junior in John Fitchett in a sophomore class, well represented. We have four guys who are getting key minutes that are sophomores, uh, you know, led by Joey Miller, who's, who's been a tremendous all-around player for us. He's been a huge key force defensively against Shenandoah. He really took over the game when we were down five or six and getting us some easy baskets going to the hoop. Uh, Bryce Woodliffe. Uh, is probably along with John Caldwell, our first two kids off the bench, and they're, you know, to me they're they're starters. They're, they're probably our starting seven. Uh, John's a John's a freshman. John, he's got the potential to become one of the great players in Roanoke history. And I think Bryce does too. I mean, Bryce, uh, young man who who last year had the knee operation uh, a week into the. Uh, preseason, and so he just didn't have a chance to have a good season because of that injury. But he's he's really you know been a huge key for us off the bench and played key minutes for us. I think in the second overtime the other night he got us a three point shot early and nailed it for us to give us a little working margin, get us some confidence in that second overtime. Real heady player, uh, real hard nosed. Uh, him and Eli Sumter and C.J. Miles are basically three headed point guard force and all are very strong players that do a good job of setting the tempo force on both ends of the court you'll have an interesting start to this conference coach washington lee virginia wesley and and city randolph macon will be your first four when you restart i should say conference play you'll then kind of rematch with shenandoah randolph and virginia wesleyan still to go so you'll play a couple against virginia wesleyan uh, you'll play a couple against randolph macon a couple against washington and lee and a couple against hamden sydney i mentioned a couple because if people aren't familiar with the odac there is an unbalanced schedule here uh, so you play a double round robin against uh, two-thirds of it but then a third of it you play single games what, what do you what should we expect from this conference this season i mean Virginia Wesleyan seems to have come back to the fold just a little bit. Uh, Randolph Mankin certainly is a shell of itself. Nothing against it. They lost a ton of talent in their head coach. Um, 
but who who's going to win this conference? And can you guys keep this momentum up and stay on top? Uh, I definitely think we can. Uh, you know, I, I'm excited about this team. As excited as I've been in years about a group of young men. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of X factors. I mean, Guilford, there are a lot of teams that have young guys because they lost so many key guys from last year. Guilford's one of them. Randolph, I, I thought they would have a good solid year because he returned basically everybody along with a good recruiting year. Uh, I thought probably my preseason top four, I had WNL in that top four, and I think they've got a chance to be great. They've beaten Catholic already. They led Wesley for the first 25 minutes of the game against Wesley. We, we had a chance to see that one uh, last weekend. Lynchburg was most everybody's you know, two or three pick because mm-hmm. of what they returned. You know, they, they've had an injury, too. Austin Arnold has not played for him yet. I'm not sure what to do. Even though Hillary played for me, he didn't give me much inside. He doesn't give me any inside information, not much. <laughs> he gives me none. But I know he's been injured. Zach Burnett was injured early, too, but he's back. I watched some of their Goucher game on video yesterday. And uh, Lynchburg, they're, they're going to be – they'll be a factor when it counts, no questions asked. Even though they're 5-3 and three right now, they're going to have a great year. And, uh, you know, he returns. He basically had the most returnees besides Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, Eastern Mennonite, his talent level is fantastic. They have no juniors and seniors. So I think part of uh, our win against them, we jumped on them pretty good. We were up 25 in the first half. They made a nice little comeback, and one reason being, he's got a lot of firepower. They're just young. And, uh you know, it's going to be a tremendous year in the ODAC, and uh, it's because there are so many young players. I think we graduated the ODAC probably two thirds, or over half for sure, of our all-conference players last year, and so it's going to make for an interesting year. When I think teams that haven't been that strong can slide up the ladder, and I think you'll have some players that emerge as great players who nobody knows their name right now. Yeah. Uh, one I didn't mention is Hampton Cindy. I mean, they, he's got some of the better attorneys in the league. And with Murray and Poycard, they've got a chance to be at the top. No questions asked. Um, well, you certainly laid a good groundwork here with a 2-0 and start to the conference, 7-1, and and, and that certainly builds confidence for the team. And you've obviously got three non-conference games to go here before you'll get back into a challenging conference play. Uh, a couple other bits of business I wanted to cover with you. First and foremost, uh, the Bass Center, it's not going to be around much longer. What's the ETA on a new building for you guys? Well, the Bass Center, we uh, got T-shirts in last week for our, our commemorative T-shirts for the Bass Center. Uh, the Bass Center finale uh, will be at the end of February. The Crager Center, it's we've already got glass on the outside. Great. I walked in there yesterday. They've got the toilets in, and uh, <laughs> they're putting fixtures in. They're working on all kinds of things like that. It's about six months out okay. before it'll open up. We expect to be in the summer. I don't think it'll be ready for us to have our summer camps over there, but it'll easily be opened by the start of the school year next year. It's going to be a fantastic facility. Uh, anybody in Division Three, I think the one that most mirrors is from a basketball standpoint, it's going to be Hopes. Oh, okay. It's going to be a little smaller than that. <laughs> but it's going to be a horseshoe with uh, all chairback seating. Wow. You know, the one end zone is all glass. It faces out at the mountains here. It's got an oh. unbelievable view of the mountains. The architects, the architect that did the Crager Center, they also did John Paul Jones at UVA, which is to me, it's still, I've been to almost all of them. It's the best Division One arena in the country right wow. now, the John Paul Jones Center at UVA. And they built it as a small version of that. Uh, it's UVA Wise, which is Division Two School of Virginia, has the same kind of facility that we're building. Uh, but it's, it's really would remind people of hopes. Cool. Uh, it's, it's similar to that. It's going to be incredible. And uh, the great thing about it, too, not inside the gym, but another part of the building is going to be an indoor, 200 meter indoor track. How oh, great. And so you couple that with the Bass Center. We're going to have recreation facilities beyond belief for a school say, of 2,000 kids. I was going to say, what's the future for the Bass Center? Are you going to keep it in play? Yes, intramurals recreation. It's only 
you know, Mass Center's only 30, uh, 33 years old. Yeah. So uh, it's got a lot of life left in it. It'll be great for intramurals and recreation. It'll be great when you know, we ever land with volleyball. That that'll be easy for us to still, you know instead of you know going like four, six, and eight for your practice at the Bass Center, uh, we'll be able to you know one team come over here, one could stay over there. Uh, because it's a great facility, too. I think it's the Bass Center, even though it's 33 years old, still in the top half of our league as far as basketball facilities. Yeah. Um, interesting. You talk about the uh, open end with the glass. Another one that reminds me of is Oswego's uh, ice rink, um, which is open end, and it looks out when it's not cloudy and snowing. It looks out over Lake Erie, um, which is kind of a cool little uh, uh, twist um, for them. Um, anyway, uh, so that's the Bass Center. Got that taken care of. We know when the last game will be, and that's obviously going to be Bridgewater on the 13th of February. Uh, unless you make the tournament and you have to host a game, obviously, but we're talking regular season sure. as well. Um, another bit of business would be, um, what, you know, you look at all the rule changes in Division Three on the men's side of things. Uh, you're way up on the NABC board, so you're certainly very much involved in this. <laughs> I got to be blunt. Why? Why are we changing rules differently than the women? Why, why can't both sides come together and at least change rules at about the same time? Boy, uh, yeah, yeah. We went through that. I was on the board when we passed. And Dean Smith and, and a couple of the older guys that helped us put some rules through. This probably happened about two thousand five, two thousand six, where we were going to go to the international court. Yeah, and the and the AD shot that down. Because the women didn't go with that, and the dumb thing we found out is that you know they were meeting in Indianapolis, we were meeting in San Antonio. Uh, why can't those groups meet at the same place? And I think for several years uh, we got back to where the, they were at least meeting the same place and talking things over. Yeah. I still think they're doing that. I just think the women decided they wanted to do the quarters. Uh, you know, one thing that bothers me as much as anything is us having a different charge circle in Division One based on somebody saying we couldn't afford to do our court. So anything done for Division Two or Three that includes court markings have to wait a year. Yeah. I don't agree with that at all. You shouldn't have a program. You can't put tape down on the court to make that work for a year or two. Uh, but, again, it's going to be a different charge circle than what the women have next year. Uh, I, I agree. I think, I think we've got to get back in the room with the women, and basketball should not be that far apart as far as the rules that we both put in. I've said to many people, I don't mind the idea of quarters. I think it's a novel idea. It gets back to what everybody else is doing. I just hate the fact that we're playing two different games, essentially, sure. uh, between the men and the women. I've, I've gone to a couple doubleheaders. It takes a while to readjust, even in your own head, going, oh, right, wait, we're playing quarters. Yeah. You know, know. Oh, wait, we've got drastically different timeouts here. How many timeouts do they have again? I mean, I'm literally asking refs now all the time to double-check how many timeouts there are in a game. Sure. Um, because it's so dramatically different. Yeah, I agree, and uh, hopefully we'll get back in the same room and do that. The games are different, though. I think the you know the men's game because the sure. rims are ten feet, we can dunk, and they can't. Uh, you know, and they're just like men's women's lacrosse have different rules, but theirs are, are way different. Yeah, but those are two different games. The sport. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought we, we. I know we have a real good relationship with the women. Uh, we're playing on the same exact court. Uh, you know, they have those little hash marks on the side that we haven't taken that into account for charges, and I, I'm not sure what that rule is for the women. Or, I don't think they know, do either. Yeah, I know when you, when you start that, but uh, it probably is time that we really get back together and, and the ADs. I'm not surprised the ADs that over the oversight committee, after the rules committee takes everything, it goes to a group of athletic directors and presidents. Yeah. They're called the oversight committee for basketball, and they look at both 
and then they okay, we're going to accept this. We're not going to accept this. Uh, I'm surprised that they, they seem to accept bring everything us more together. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't bring us more together in what they accepted, not accepted. Because I know eight, ten years ago we had a meeting in San Antonio. Uh, they just shot everything we threw up down, hmm. uh, and, and probably for good cause because we were. We'd be playing the Olympic court with the old trapezoid. That's what we were putting in, the trapezoid laid. Interesting. At that time. Well, it's good and, because uh, they've gone away from the trapezoid, haven't they? Haven't they come back to the. Yeah. yeah. International's got the NBA laid pretty much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're off by a few inches because people are metric or they're standard. It depends on how you, how you want to measure. Um, yep. another, another bit of interest is uh, people may not realize Salem will be celebrating its um, 20th championship weekend, technically, its 19th trophy, thanks to Atlanta. Um, given the trophy in Atlanta, uh, but 20th <laughs> yeah. championship weekend. I know you've been involved with all of that. That's got to be a, a, a novel uh, anniversary for you guys. It's incredible. Uh, Kerry Harvey Cutter uh, you know, done such a good job of getting those events here and being able to keep them because I think people come in here and they feel like they have been treated first class uh, from the minute they get here to the minute they leave. Uh, it's 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 been a labor of love for this community to embrace basketball, but all of the Division three sports that we have here. Uh, I think we've hosted over seventy five NCAA three championships in Salem mm-hmm. since the Stag Bowl in nineteen ninety three. Basketball is one of the special ones, though. Uh, some have come and gone, but the Stag Bowl and basketball have been they've stayed here. I don't think they've ever come real close to getting them out of here because I think Salem. Uh, I think one of the places bid on it, they see the job that Salem does, and nobody can replicate it. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think uh, Salem was worried Calvin could get a chance at it on the men's side, but it just never ended up happening uh, a couple years ago. We'll see what happens. Bids end up actually opening up next year, um, but two years in advance of when it would end. Uh, Salem's got it booked up through 2018. For anybody who's curious, would you rather go to Michigan or Salem for? Uh, in, don't in March? put me on the spot like that. <laughs> well, it's it's okay. debatable because it used yeah. to be I came down there. And it was nice spring weather every year. A couple times I've come down there and it's still winter. Yeah, it doesn't it's feel a, like spring. It's more likely to be nicer down here. That's true. That's, uh, that's a very fair point. I'll give you that. Yeah, the cherry blossoms are usually blooming uh, when I get down there in in late March, middle to late March. For the tournament. Um, you're on the NABC board. Forgive me because I keep forgetting how long you're president for or were president for. Are you still president of the NABC? Yeah, I was the president. Ron Hunter took over. Okay. Uh, yeah, I thought I was going to get to do the last Final Four, too, because you know, Ron, uh, he tore his Achilles Ooh. watching his son play that tournament game. Oh, that's right. Yes. He made himself famous, but he was able to make it to the Final Four, so he took over the duties <laughs> on that Monday after the Final Four. Uh, Ron's a good man and uh, doing a great job for us at ABC. I'm on the board. I, I love my, my cohorts in Division Three. Basically, the, the real Division Three reps now are Charlie Brock, uh, Gary Stewart from Stevenson, and then Pat Cunningham from Trinity, and I'm the old guy. I stay on for two more years as president of Merita, which means I still get to I'll probably do a little bit more than those guys are doing uh, with the home office stuff, but Charlie, Gary, and Pat are doing a lot more with service to our Division Three coaches and coming up with uh, our next initiatives. You're you're, you're doing all the glad-handing is what you're doing. Um, Well, I get to look at the bank account, make sure the organization is in good shape, and it is. We've got an unbelievable executive staff. The guys that in Kansas City, led by Jim Haney, uh, just our our NABC, uh, it's been fun to see up close how good our association is. Well, it's fun to work with you guys. Um, As you know, I formally already thanked you guys for your continued support. 
um, for the last uh, at least six, seven years. It's been rock solid every year, and, and but it, it was even support before then, so I always enjoy having you guys on um, and, and, having, and being yep. part of the NABC. I should say, though, by the way, we got to talk about your headshot. Um, one on the website, and thus it got sent to me. I don't think you've gotten this changed in 20 years. I've got a phone call uh, from a friend about it. It says, wow, Paige, I was reading about, reading about you on there. You look the same. You hadn't changed a bit. No. I, I'll tell you what. It's 10 years old. And, uh, okay, 10. It, it is. So, yeah, maybe it's time for me. You just got a lot more gray and a lot less hair. Chris, but, if you're, uh, Chris Kilcoin, if you're listening, go get this man a new he- headshot for us yeah. so we can all appreciate what he really looks like. Well, see, I, you know, that's why I didn't Skype you tonight. <laughs> I've always been told I have a face for radio. So do I, but and, I'm uh, using it. You know, yeah, you're you're younger. You look good. You, you know, you're doing fine. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let Chris. Now that now that we've got a, a new sports information director, uh, and Chris, he, he's really good. You know, he covers his base. He's probably going to make me take a new headshot. I, I think he I'll is. I'll do it. What I'll I love about this picture is, if you look at it closely, it looks like it's been scanned in on a scanner, and it was one of those old uh, high school or you know headshots that you take at school and then scanned in on a scanner. I swear, you just gave him the wallet. Yeah, um, I did. Well, that, was, yeah. that was a wallet picture for us. So there yeah, you go. Good. See, I know. You caught me. Yeah, exactly. I know what you're up to there, Paige. Uh, well, hey, I appreciate you coming on the show. I know it I took up a good chunk of your time, but I certainly love chatting with you. Uh, love chatting about your team on a on a seven-game winning streak, too. Technically eight, but we can't count that game. Yep. I you know. know. I gave you enough yep. hard time. Obviously, big game coming up. And uh, as you know, I always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? You do well again. Uh, and the NBC, from our standpoint, we love D3 Hoops and Hoopsville. What you guys do for Division Three basketball, both on the men's and women's side, are just unbelievably appreciated. And you do it professionally. Great job with it. And we're proud to be associated with you. And I wish all my coaching friends out there a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, hope everybody has a chance to, to step back and spend some good time with their family and, and good time with their teams. I think one enjoyable thing about college basketball is you're around your teams during the holidays, uh, at least close to the holidays. And uh hope everybody can step back and enjoy their families and, and teams in the, in the right way before we head into January, February, the meat of the season. Yeah, well put, sir. Uh, happy holidays to you too. Merry Christmas. I, I may or may not see you this coming week when I'm down in Salem, but okay. obviously focused on something else. Um, but we'll, I'll be here. We'll I'll know. be here Friday. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. But I'll know at least worst case scenario. I'll see you in March, no matter what happens. Um, take care of yourself, and and thanks again for joining us. Uh, thanks for thanks as always. Appreciate everything. Thank you, sir. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Paige Moyer joining us from Roanoke. As always, appreciate him taking the time. Uh, team is off to a 7-1 start, folks. 2-0. Uh, and so for those who want to know, no, they're not running the Grinnell system, uh, VMI-type system. Um, go back and listen to the beginning of the interview. He explains it. It's a little different. It's Grinnell playing uh, defense. Consider it that way. Um, they are third in the last NCAA report. Um, in scoring, Greenville, who's gone to a Grinnell system, leads the way with 110 points uh, per game. Um, Grinnell is at 107.4, and Roanoke is at 107.1. Um, so uh, they are third in scoring, and that 107.1 has not changed, uh, even because they just played a 108-point game. So they're still at right, right around 107.1 points a game. So they're third in the NCAA and scoring this year. Fun to see Roanoke back in the conversation. Love chatting with Paige Moyer. want to thank him for coming on the show. Uh, we're going to wrap things up. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Um, since he's watching, we'll mention in New Jersey the craziness that is the NJAC. 
Um, if anyone hasn't been paying attention, this is not this conference is not ending up like everyone pretty much expected it to on the men's side. Um, New Jersey City off to a five and zero start in that conference at seven and two overall. If you are taking notes, they've only played four. They played more games in conference than out of conference to start the season, which is a little bit rare. They started the season with losses to Brooklyn and Franklin and Marshall, and had then beaten Messiah, Rutgers, Newark, York of New York, William Patterson, Rowan, Ramapo, and Kane. Uh, they are on Christmas holiday. They will then take on Buffalo State and somebody else uh, coming up um, between Christmas and New Year's. And then it's back to the conference grind. Big, 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 big game coming up against Stockton on January 6th. Stockton is a game behind them. William Patterson, 6-4 and four overall, 1-3 and three on the season in the conference. A team that could have been special um, has let it go, plain and simple have lost uh, lost four out of five in the middle, have beaten Montclair and FDU Florham most recently. Um, but unless they perform a miracle, William Patterson's probably out of the conversation. But congratulations to Mark Brown and the New Jersey City uh, Gothic Knights off to a 7-2 and two start. I will say this for the, for the big part of this, though. Let's see what happens once we get back into conference play. Uh, the Gothic Knights have had some hot starts in the past. Let's see if they can keep it rolling. Here come the second half um, of the season. Certainly other teams off to good starts. New top 25 will come out on Saturday, uh, I mean on, on Monday, tomorrow night, supposedly, if not worst case Tuesday, but usually it comes out tomorrow night. Uh, we'll see how much movement. Again, I don't think there's going to be a ton, but there will be a little bit. Uh, St. John Fisher is probably coming out of the top 25, but there will be some others there you're going to wonder. And then the question is, who do you vote to put in the top 25? There's a lot of teams out there, folks. A lot of teams. It is it is very, very, very difficult to vote in the top 25 when you get down to teams 15 through 25 especially. Um, and honestly, I've got teams at 7. I don't think they're 7, but there's nobody behind them I think's better. Um, and so, you know, you put them 7 because you got no choice. Um, so we'll keep an eye on what's going on there. Um, you know. It is what it is. It's, it's it's tough, and and it's all about parody, and that's fun. I mean, that's the that's the fun part. It's the parody in, in, involved with all of this. So, by the way, another team. By the way, I meant to mention out to a hot start this season. Like coming, I didn't see this coming from the Warriors. But the Warriors are off to a hot start this season. I think they've only got one or two losses uh, on the year as well. Big game we mentioned again earlier. Christopher Newport beat Virginia Wesleyan thirteen, beating twelve. Um, Virginia Wesleyan doesn't seem as coherent as I thought they would be. Doesn't mean by the end of the season, Coach uh, Macedo doesn't have that team rolling. <laughs> the Marlins are dangerous at all times of the year. Christopher Newport looked good there. Corey Moore just had the ball last possession. I don't know if it was drawn up that way or what, but he threw up a, a, a 28-footer um, with a guy no more than no 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 closer than five feet. He didn't. He was he was forcing the shot because of the clock. He, he he didn't try to do anything. I don't I don't know what was drawn up, but Corey Moore missed the three to tie the game, but. Nonetheless, that's going to do it for us. But and we mentioned Alma earlier. There's a bunch of teams that are doing well. It's it's hard to keep track of everything. That's why we have this website called d3hoops.com. By the way, I mentioned it last show and other shows. I know we have eight regional writers worth checking out what they're writing. It has been fun to watch what's going on in Division Three with eight regional writers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So keep an eye on that stuff. And that is going to do it for us. We're going to wrap up the show here. Uh, one more show a week from tonight. Um, before we take our holiday break for two weeks before we're back on the air with Hoopsville. Not that we're taking a break. This week we'll be running out to Salem to help with the football coverage. Gallardi Trophy presentation on Wednesday. Championship game on Friday. Pre-game and all that fun stuff. It's going to be crazy. Um, 
And don't forget, we also have, um, oh, and then, then we'll, we'll, I literally drive back, call a basketball game on Saturday, then we'll do a Hoopsville on Sunday. Then we'll take the two-week off. But in the middle of that, we'll be out at the D3Hoops.com Classic in Vegas. Pat Gordon, uh, Gordon, uh, Pat, <laughs> Pat Coleman, Gordon Mann, and myself, Billy interviewing coaches and players out there. So that kind of fills in a little bit of what we do at Hoopsville and so on and so forth. And I totally forgot to mention this at the beginning of the show. I can't believe I just remembered it. Um, Sydney Moss is back playing basketball in Division Three. NCAA has cleared her of uh, whatever the case was. Um, while I got you here, let's quickly look up and see if, if there's any mention on their website what might have been involved. Uh, I know some stuff off the record. Not going to announce that uh, on unless they unless they have said something specifically. Um, but she is back playing basketball after a self-imposed um, uh, break. Uh, she had not played in a game this season due to some possible infraction of the NCAA. Um, nonetheless, um, NCAA apparently cleared it, uh, had no problems with it. They are still undefeated, still number one team in the nation. Uh, and she goes and sets a career record, by the way, um, with their win over Grove City. So I guess she came back with uh, gusto would be the word I'm looking for. She, uh, they win 95-37 over Grove City, holding Grove City to no points in the second half, 17 total in the first half, uh, 20 total in the second half. Outscored them 95-37. Sydney Moss scored 19, uh, let's see, beca- oh, she became the all-time leading scorer at Thomas More. I apologize, when she scored 19 points in the game. So I mid-read, mid-read, mid, misread the title. She missed five games. They're now 6-0 and overall, 3-0. and Nothing here about why she's back. Um, or, or, but except that the NCA cleared her, uh, we'll certainly try and get more information. But that's a good team, period, folks. Uh, but congratulations to Sydney Moss, nonetheless. Nice to see her back in Division Three. Nice to see that the NCA didn't have any problems with whatever the the infraction worries were. Uh, that's going to do it. Again, new top twenty-five comes out tomorrow for both the men and women. It'll be interesting to see what they do with some of the teams at the bottom, like former champ FDU Florham. Probably out of the women's top 25, taking another loss, sitting at 23rd. Will Capital at 22 come out of the top 25? We'll see. Not much else to really vote on in women's uh, basketball. You know, there's some teams that took some tough, tough weeks, like Tufts. We'll see how they, the voters handle them, but Tufts not coming out of the top 25. On the men's side, Ohio Wesley moved up to fourth. They take a loss. How far will they fall? Uh, we'll see. There's a, there, there's, there's a lot of gap uh, that they could keep them from falling too far. Uh, St. John Fisher sitting 24th, lost. They're probably out. Salisbury 21. Will will they come out of the top 25? With this loss to Penn State Harrisburg, most voters are probably going to remove Salisbury from their top 25, um, and we'll keep an eye on that. Brooklyn sitting 17th. They lost twice this week. We'll see what voters do with them. So a lot of questions uh, in to entail, as it were. That's going to do it. Thank you for tuning in. Certainly appreciate your patronage. If you're watching on demand, we appreciate that. If you're listening to the podcast, let us know you're listening to the podcast. We know we got good numbers. Just kind of curious who they may be. And again, we'll be back on the air next Sunday here on Hoopsville. Thank you for everybody for tuning in. I want to thank all of our guests, including Whitman's Michelle Ferenc, Gwen and Mercy's Keith Modillo, uh, Jamie Benton from uh, Johnson uh, Johnson and Wales and Paige Moyer from Roanoke also want to thank their sports information directors for their assistance as well. That's going to do it for us. We'll be back in a week. Hope you enjoyed the show. You've been listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com and the National Association of Basketball Coaches. More Hoopsville in a week. Good night and we'll see you soon.